This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We're back. That's right. We are back. A's cast live. I can't tell you how nice it is to be back. I do have to say this. I got to give our boss, Delaire, a lot of credit. Because normally I don't like taking time off. And it is just, it's like hard to, like baseball's going on. We're not doing the show you know, it's kind of, it seems odd at first, but after a couple days of unwinding from a really, really, really tough season and kind of just getting away from baseball and just watching it as a fan, he said, you guys need to decompress a little bit. And we fought it, you know, come on, come on. And it's like, no, take some time off. The company wanted us to take some time off. So we want to thank Dave Cavill and the company for giving us some time off because uh, I do think we needed it. It was nice to have uh, basically a week and a half of just getting back to uh, normal life. Wife, kids, you and your wife. Uh, I think it was nice. But it's back. We're back. We're back in time. All we missed was a bunch of sweeps in the wild card round. Didn't miss anything. Uh, a lot to talk about there. We're not going to rehash a ton of that today. Uh, but how about you? Nice, nice to get away for a couple of days and nice to be back? Uh, yeah, we went to uh, – I went up to Henry Cow State Park in Santa Cruz on Thursday. Um, I had to work on some, uh, you know, spiritual things for myself personally. Uh, so that was nice <laughs> well, to go – Of course you did. It was nice to go hiking in the woods by myself. My wife, uh, my wife was unavailable. Um, no, she's not traveling. I know every time we talk – my wife's always on some trip, but are you worried of what could happen to you if you're traveling alone in the woods? Do you ever worry, like? No, there was a lot of people out on, on a Thursday. I'm just saying, there's a lot of stories about, you know. No, I wasn't worried. Um, Mountain lion finds you or something. They got to rescue you, bring in the helicopter. You're not worried about being alone no, out in nature. No. Because you didn't have a Rambo knife. <laughs> no. Because in the Rambo knife, remember, Rambo knife had everything. 
he could stitch himself up. He had yeah. fishing line. I mean, you can survive in the woods with a Rambo knife. And you're talking about the first blood, the first I'm one. talking yeah. first Original blood. Original Rambo. Yes. Um, then I went to, my wife and I went to the beach at Santa Cruz, and we took the dog up there on Friday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, nice. And then I stayed home the rest of the time and watched football and baseball and a little hockey last night. As hockey's back, Sharky's tomorrow. I'll be there. Sharky's in Golden Knights. So, yeah, it was nice to take, take some time off. Yeah. And then we're all going to be together again this weekend for Alex Jensen's wedding. Alex O'Brien's getting married. Yeah. <laughs> going to be nice. Going to be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. We are attending the biggest Red Sox event uh, <laughs> on the West Coast of the offseason. A's Cast Live will be there. A lot of, lot of Red Sox. Oh, Celtics. my God. It's going to be nothing but East Coast honks. You're not even going to be here on Friday. I know. Well, we're going to my wife RSCP'd for us to go to the welcome party for everyone. I got to hold it down. Yeah, what we got I got to s- drive down on Saturday. Oh, that's I mean, it's good thing. It's only a couple hours away. All right. Today, we got Roxy Bernstein, who obviously has been calling games for ESPN. And uh, where is Roxy right now? Uh, is he doing currently right now? I'm probably in his hotel room because he's doing Diamondbacks and Dodgers. OK, perfectly uh, perfect, I should say. Uh, Roxy, at this time of the year, is so money to have because we can always get into a little football, too. And then we get to talk to our general manager, David Forrest. Yeah, he spoke last week. Yeah. That, see, to me, though, those are, I mean, few people got in trouble. Jerry DePoto got into a little bit of trouble. Isn't it amazing? Every single Mariners person, player, executive, whatever, who came out <laughs> and talked all had to walk it back. Yeah. Cal Raleigh, all, that's who you're starting with. J.P. Right? Crawford, yeah, J., uh, Jerry Depoto, everybody who spoke publicly had to walk it back. Remember, even George Kirby earlier in the year when he talked about getting pulled early. Or oh, I had to walk it back. Long. Yeah, somebody in the somebody's playing hall monitor in Seattle, going, "Yeah, I don't like it. You need to go back out in front of the media and and say something different, right?" Not one guy in Seattle. Said, nope, that's what I think. Because you can't tell me when Jerry DePoto goes out there and starts talking about 54%, winning 54% of the time, doing all that, it was insane. And it was like, this is the worst messaging to a fan base I think I've ever heard. The very next day does what? Walks it back on a on – a, they sent him back out there on a talk show and went, yeah, I don't think the messaging was right. No, no, no. That's how you felt. Because you knew going out to that, it's the end of the year deal, right? You're a general manager, you're a president of baseball operations, whatever the hell your title is. You know going in what the media is going to ask you. You know what your response is going to be. That's what he was thinking, and that was his kind of, I'm sticking it to you, Seattle. You should just be lucky we're we're in the position we're in, and I could have traded everybody, and we could just be on the road to hell. But, no, I got you on the road to being successful. And even like, Jerry, you've been here eight years. You've been in the playoffs one time. Doesn't matter. I got you. I mean, he was That was a stick it to you. I'm smarter than you are. That's how he felt. And the next day, he's going on a sports talk show going, you know, maybe that wasn't the right messaging. I, you know, I probably should have said it better. There's somebody playing hall monitor uh, in the Seattle Mariners. Like, you you said something on Ace Cast Live, and someone at Jack London's like, Cody, go back out there and say something different. Yeah, walk it back. Clearly uh, someone's doing that. 
Yeah, it's it's weird, and you know they missed the playoffs by what like a game. What was it? Because yeah. they they ended up losing that game in the last series against Texas. But yeah, it it's just really bizarre to see that happen. And then you know we, there's been a lot of other stuff that's happened non playoff related. I mean, I mean your good friend Billy Epler, that everyone thought he was gonna be sticking around. Then a couple of days later, he's gone. Well, if you think Billy Epler is leaving because of uh, illegal IL. <laughs> Uh, that's what they tell us. That's what they're trying to tell us. Good luck on that because I'm not saying everybody does it because then now you're saying all 30 teams, but I will be telling you a lot of teams do this. The Phantom IL? I mean, Ross Stripling of the Giants came out and said it earlier this year pretty much that they were Phantom ILing him for, for no reason. A.J. Przinsky talked about he came up, they, they wanted to IL him because the thing is when you go on this Phantom IL, you're still getting paid. You're still getting your service time. They're just paying you to go away. You're not losing anything other than you're not playing. So he made up some crazy thing when he was in Atlanta. <laughs> everybody does it. Almost everybody. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying almost. So to say that, well, they're looking into this, like New York, like, oh, this is the prop. Something's going on there. Yeah, well, he's gone, and David Stearns is full he's full control now as the what is his title, president of baseball operations or VP or whatever the hell it is? I just like to, uh, I just like to uh, read the tea leaves on that one. And, and then one other thing, because uh, we talked about it a little before we came on, and I gave you a great trivia question. Uh, our our guy, Sandy Alcantara, Tommy John, won't be back until 2025. Yeah, that's, that stinks. It's par for the course. You, you have a you, – so, somebody has put out uh, – where did you find it? I just Google searched <laughs> Tommy John surgeries in 2023, and they literally have a whole Google or um, uh, Google spreadsheet of literally every guy who's had Tommy John and when. Um, the most recent ones: Felix Batista of the Orioles, Sandy Alcantara, Riley Green, position player, Jason Jason Dominguez, the Martian, position player, uh, were some of the most notable ones recently to do it. It goes all the way back to the first one in 1974 with Tommy John. So, yeah, there's like 2,300-something Tommy John surgeries, all documented on this uh, Excel spreadsheet that you can easily find on Google. I wanted to go back because I had one of our fans of A's Cast Live and the uh, A's Clubhouse show play the – I didn't hear you say anything about Arizona. I just wanted to, to go back and my predictions of Arizona winning. That's true. I mean, I did take the Brewers. And did I not in the preseason say they were my my darling – and to make the playoffs in the preseason. Correct, yeah. So I predicted Arizona before the season, and I predicted them to win. Now, we weren't on for me to predict them against the Dodgers, which I would have, but I can't really – I can't cash that ticket. But my guy, Tori Lovello. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. Say it again. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. Sounds That's like what they're built on. Sounds like a marriage. That's what they're built on. They're not built on – analytics are a part of it. Data is a part of it, but they're built on what? Love, trust, commitment, and effort. Seems to be working. By the way, well, what time we got? Who's first, Roxy or David? Uh, Allen is at one thirty. What time? What time? Whoa. David's at two. All right, I want to just give you a couple news and notes, things that are interesting going into today, as we have games starting coming up here in just a little bit. Two oh seven our time. Don't tell them what time. We don't want them to know what time. <laughs> Games will be on later today. today. Later today, we're going to have Braves and Phillies. We're going to have Astros and Twins, Dodgers up against Arizona. 
Rangers, they were the kings of blown saves this year. Rangers have held a lead for 37 of the 45 innings so far in the playoffs so far. 37 of the 45, they've only been down once. You're talking about a team that you were like, I don't know how they're going to get anybody out. LeClerc's come in. Mm -hmm. Chapman, I mean, but LeClerc's become the guy. And all of a sudden, the Texas Rangers are moving on. Texas has had 67 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. There's always somebody on base. When you're watching it, I mean, it makes sense because they always have people on base. That's the most by any team in the first five postseason games since the 2013 Red Sox had 71. I that that number to me is astonishing. I'd say every inning they got guys on. Every single inning they're putting pressure on the other team's pitching staff. They're put, putting pressure on the other team's defense. That's unbelievable. You love home runs. We get this every year. The teams that out-homer out their opponents, 11-1 and one in the postseason. It's pretty much that way in the regular season, too. Arizona is already homered, but this is the thing. Where Atlanta's not homering as a team, it's always teams, it's the unknown that you can't predict, which is so wonderful about the postseason. Arizona's already homered nine times in four games. That's two fewer than the 11 they hit when they won the World Series in 2001. <laughs> I think that you're Gonzo at 57 that year, too, I'm pretty sure. But just think about that. If you had the 12 teams to pick, who's going to be the team that hits a bunch of home runs? Would you hit Arizona? No. That is the beauty of the postseason. And are we getting Eno Saris on, on Friday? Friday, yeah. I'm going to tell Eno Saris that all of his buddies on Twitter should all just, or excuse me, X, they should all just go away for the postseason. They all should just hibernate or go get them in a room and they can just go talk. We need to create a separate wing on X for them all just to hang out by themselves. Because they sound ridiculous. It's not fair. I saw one guy say, the only thing that would be fair is if they played 50-game series. Because you would really know after 50 games who the best team is. We're going to play 50-game series? No, this is the beauty of it. Because what happens in the postseason is, this isn't July in Kansas City. This isn't August in Oakland. Every pitch matters. Every play matters. See, in baseball, the thing that's great about it and then the thing that's great about the postseason is baseball is a sport that's played every day, right? We play every day. It's the same thing every day. It's the same routine every day for all of us, whether you're a player or you're a non-player. It's such a routine-oriented game. That you play the three, four game set, sometimes two. Get on the plane, go to the next city. Play two to three game. Get on the plane, go to the next city. 
play two, play three to four games, get on the plane, go home. Now you're at home. Now you play the same team for three games. They leave, now the new team. It's just the same routine. And always, you never get too high, you never get too low. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, I'm going real well. just want to keep the same things going. Next thing you know, I'm not playing well. I don't want to freak out about it. You know, you keep even keeled because you always know you have what? During the regular season in baseball, what do you always have? Time to play again tomorrow. Close. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. You always have tomorrow. How many times in these speeches that are post-game interviews? Shouldn't say speeches. Post-game. Oh, go get them tomorrow. Players say that every single day in Major League Baseball. We'll go get them tomorrow. Well, you know, I just got to put this behind me tomorrow. That's when it becomes, you know what? This is different, and it is fair. Same game. We're not switching the rules. We're not switching the ballparks. The best of the best, you got to come out and play. You got to shine because there is no tomorrow. Well, there is if you're in a longer series, but you get what I'm saying. I think the greatest thing to bring up about this postseason, I don't know how many people want to backtrack. I don't know when we'll get into it today, but I'm very passionate about the Vladimir Guerrero getting picked off. It was the beauty of our game. It was the beauty of communication. It was the beauty of the magnitude of the moment. Reggie Jackson, the magnitude of me, and really goes to show Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the greatest example of a celebrated non-high IQ baseball player in the regular season who at times has been an analytic darling, right? Mashes. Not this year so much, but the year before, he was potentially could have been the MVP. Love the guy. People love the guy. All-star game. We're going to put him out there. Oh, he's so fun. He's gregarious. He's all this kind of stuff. That play showed who he is as a championship ball player. And he's not. That was so boneheaded. Everything that's wrong about him. His weight. I mean, did you see how bad he looked? He wasn't even the lead runner. Did you see how bad he looked fumbling into second base? We will go over that. But that's championship baseball. Because they got a guy out there at shortstop who's a championship player who is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr., low IQ baseball player. He's super IQ baseball player, Carlos Correa. That's the beauty of the postseason. Every pitch, every play matters. No shifting. We've seen beautiful defense. Trey Turner turned that double play in game one against the Braves. Beautiful. Correa's made plays. Pena's made some plays. How about Austin Riley to end the game? That was awesome. Harris making that unbelievable catch. That's showing unbelievable athleticism. Throwing it in. Gets by two guys. Austin Riley's in the right spot. You can debate about Harper all you want base running, but I want to celebrate Austin Riley IQ, what, you know, Jeter, always in the right place. Smart players are always in the right place. And because we're not shifting anymore, we're seeing it again. We're seeing smart players. We're seeing athleticism on the infield. The playoffs is beautiful. And people who don't like it, like 
I don't know any other sport where the people who are supposedly insiders in the sport don't like the postseason. Have you ever heard an NFL insider say they don't like the NFL playoffs? Um, no. Have you ever heard an NBA insider say the quest for the Larry O'Brien is not the coolest thing ever? No. It's, it's the highest level of basketball. Uh, the second season in hockey, people say playoff hockey is the greatest thing ever. I, I second that. But in baseball, our, 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 our number darlings hate it. We're the only sport that hates its postseason. I know, Isn't that crazy? I also keep seeing now is, you know, because the Braves are – Braves were down one nothing, and and you know Dodgers down 0-2. It's like, should we change the playoff format? Should hey hey, if you have a good regular season, should the other team have to play with with a with their right arm tied behind their back? Is that what you want? Do you want a, a two three game? Excuse me, a two two three run lead every game to go into the game? What do you want? I mean, can you imagine a football team complaining like this? Hey, we got to go play in Green Bay. It's snowing. <laughs> No. Get your ass to Green Bay. What do you got? It just goes to show how many people. You know what it does? It exposes people who really have never been in competition. Right? They haven't been in competition. They're numbers people. The majority of them are numbers people. They never played anything. Some have. Some have. But they've now, like, they've lost their cojones, too. They're onions, as some people would say, to put it a little bit better. They've lost it. Like, this is competition. It's not fair I have to play Tiger Woods. He hits it further than I do. Is that fair that I got to line up at Pebble Beach and play Tiger Woods where he's won all these times? Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. It's competition. Got to go out and compete. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter where. I got to fight Mike Tyson in Vegas? He's never lost in Vegas. Well, guess what? You got to fight. He's the champ. You want to fight Mike Tyson? You got to go to the. You got to go fight Mike Tyson. That's why I think I, – I love the Manning brothers, by the way. But it's why I have so much respect for Eli Manning, even though he's a goofy dude on television. That New York Giant team, you can't say it enough. They went to Tampa, and it was hot, one in the playoffs against John Gruden. They went to Dallas, who they had already lost twice to the Cowboys that year, went to Dallas and won, then went to Lambeau Field in the snow – they're from New York, so it's not that big of it. But they won. They won three straight road playoff games, and then they had to beat the New England Patriots, who at that point everybody was saying was the greatest football team of all time, was about to go 18-0. Was that fair? They did it. And that's why Eli Manning is Eli Manning. And that giant team will be revered forever. They won four games they were not supposed to win. They were, they were the dogs in all four games. Huge dogs in the Super Bowl. I want to say they were huge dogs in Dallas and they were huge dogs in Green Bay. They won. It's competition. I don't think they would have been a favorite. They were not a favorite <laughs> in, in any games. of the games. <laughs> so it's like, it's the beauty of it. You got to win. And no, it's not this, oh, we'll go get them tomorrow. We're playing, I don't know, San Diego. Hey, don't worry. You know, we'll go out tonight and have a good steak dinner in the gas lamp and we play tomorrow. No. There is no tomorrow. You got to win today. You don't win today. The percentages, if it's not a knockout game, the percentages go against you. Every single time you lose in the play in the postseason, even when you have a lead, it starts flipping the percentage. I'll give you I'll give you an example. Uh, in, in the notes today, do, 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 do. division series in the current two two one format. 
tied at two games, which we have between the Phillies and the Braves. The club that hosts game three and four has won the series 28 out of 42 times. That's 67%. As a gambler, I like my odds at 67%. Every single time you lose and every single time you win, your percentages go like this. So every every pitch, every play means something. Sorry, that's how it should be. I love it. I absolutely love it. You get to see who the real, real ballers are. Jordan Alvarez. Are you going to tell me Jordan Alvarez is not the baller of ballers? You regular season? Oh, by the way, go look at the stats of the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays are now 0 for their last three in the postseason. Uh, well, actually, the whole division. Uh, Blue Jays have now lost uh, seven in a row. But they're 0-3 in their last three series, right? Yeah. yeah. All three of those series that they have been that they they've gone they've gone zero and two on all these series. Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero hit two hundred in all three of those series. I even went back because I wanted to see how the old Billy Bean A's like my stuff doesn't work. You'd be amazed at how bad some of the best players for the A's performed offensively in in two thousand two thousand one. Even there's like one series where Giambi did have an average, no home runs. Like Tejada, for the most part, was brutal. I think Tejada the whole time, and he played a lot because he remember he was there all the way through 06. I think Tejada, for his time with the A's career in the postseason, had like 212 with not a lot of pop. Chavez, not a lot. I mean, you can say whatever you, you – all you got to do is go look. What did the big guns do, Right. What did the Braves do game one? Nothing. And what did the Braves do up until the seventh inning? Nothing. So it's pretty it's pretty self-explanatory. Your big guns don't don't do anything. Don't you're going you're going home. You're literally going home. And then we can get into the pitching. Um but I, I do like how the regular se- I like how the regular season sets you up. But then this tells you everything you need to know. Teens that have won more than 90 games this season have combined to lose 10 of 11. Yeah, there's a, there was a really good stat about, because um, you were talking about the Rangers. 10 of 11, folks. 90-plus wins. Teams have lost 10 of 11. Where are your Baltimore Orioles? Where are your Tampa Bay Rays? You believe the Rays? I was playing golf. Center Bar Hills, our sponsor. And I was playing with a guy, I think you might have heard of him. His name's Ken Korak. We'll see him this weekend. Have you ever heard of Ken Korak? Radio Hall of Famer. So Ken and I were playing. It was during the um, Braves game. And... God, I got it right. Who who were they playing? The Rays were playing the Rangers. Yes. Okay. They had gone... If you date back to last year... 33 innings without scoring a run. 33 innings. Um, do you know how many outs that is? There's only 27 outs in a game. 33 innings, 33 times 3. You know how many outs they have gotten, haven't scored a run? 99. Wow! You don't think something's there? Last year to this year, cannot score. Can't get one run 
One run. The Rays. Bright lights, baby. Bright lights. The bright lights are on. Does, when, when you're playing college basketball, hey, we're the WCC champs. Great. Welcome to the tournament. How are you going to do? Got a shot, shots fired at St. Mary's? No, I'm just <laughs> saying. Whatever I mean, conference. Gun, I mean, Gonzaga does no, does choke a lot. In the, in the, God, uh, they, it's tough. It's tough to win. When's the last time of Pac-12? They're getting dismantled. Think of Pac-12, though. John Wooden's not walking through that door. Actually, there was a WCC team in the national championship game last year. I mean, you 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 start. Yeah. No. Oh, Mountain West. Sorry. Mountain West. Mountain West. Don't don't disrespect my conference like that in this past text. But it's like this is what the competition is. <laughs> this is what it is. The bright lights. Are you at your best when it matters most? Not the same mundane schedule. You're the kings of the same mundane thing every day. Every day. We do the same thing every day. We have one day off every 13 days, 14 days. We do the same thing. I'm, I'm routine, 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 routine. Because that's really what you're the kings of. You're the king of the same routine. And you're really good at the same routine. Well, we now take your routine away, and now you've got to play games that it matters. Every single – you can't say, well, we'll go get them tomorrow. Am I wrong on that? I think when you follow it every day, you'll understand what I'm talking about. How many times during the season it'll be like, ah, we'll go get them. Just got to go get them tomorrow. There's that mentality. It's true because we hear it all the time because um, it does happen. And <clears throat> it, it shows you, like the Rangers, went in the, they limped into the postseason. Like this happens in the NFL a lot where a team limps into the postseason and then they just get hot and go on a run. Bochy mentioned it last night. You know, was, we're, we're just playing hot. And they showed, and the, the, the number you told me to save it for the show, they're the first team that uh, we have real quick before Roxy gets on here. Uh, they are the Rangers became the first team in Major League Baseball history to sweep two teams with the combined 200 wins during the regular season in a single postseason. The Rangers are just running through everyone. Offensively, Evoldi's pitching well. Montgomery's pitching well. I know Heaney didn't pitch deep into the game, but they didn't need him to. Uh, they have – and this is without Scherzer – no DeGrom. Who? Yeah, those they, those guys aren't matter. It's the guys that the people didn't – it's the guys they acquired that were like afterthoughts. Like Jordan Montgomery was a nice deadline piece and then getting involved in the offseason. But that's who's carrying these guys into the – and then Jose LeClerc closing games out with a six-run lead. Permission to be cruel. Uh, about And not judged. Uh, sure. This is going to be cruel and uncalled for, and I shouldn't do this. So that's why I want permission – and I'm going to say no offense, at just to cover myself, no offense. But if I was someone with the Texas Rangers, I would have walked up and I would take that bottle of champagne out of DeGrom's hands. <laughs> I would have took those stupid goggles off of his thing. Because if you don't know, Rangers are smart. They have a celebration room. They have a new ballpark, so they got a lot of rooms. They create a celebration room so they don't screw up their clubhouse, so they don't have to call in the cleaning crew and do all of that. They just got a room they're going to celebrate. I would have taken the bottle of champagne from DeGrom. I would have took the goggles, and I would have said, Get out of here. You shouldn't be here. Paid you $185 million to get us here, and where are you? Oh, you're hurt. Oh, you got to have Tommy John. Oh, my God, you're not even going to be here, and you're not even here next year. Thanks, but no thanks, Jacob DeGrom. Gutless. I guess you're not gutless if you get hurt, but we knew he would get hurt. I mean, at least he did pitch a little bit this year for them. 
I'm taking his goggles, I'm taking his champagne, and get out of here. Do you see? No offense. No offense. Do we have Roxy? No, he's not here yet. Uh, Yeah, this Jordan Alvarez guy, 6 for 12, 4 home runs, 6 RBIs, 6 runs scored, 2,205 OPS. Does he think it's unfair? Uh, the guy's just a machine. Does he think it's unfair? How about Nathan Avaldi? You know, in his career now, he's 6-3 and three with a 2.70 ERA in the postseason. His ERA in September, remember he's come back. He got hurt, was oblique and elbow. He had yeah. like multiple things going on. He was on the IL, and I know because he was on my damn fantasy team. IL from June 30th to September 5th. Comes off September 5th, has an ERA in September. Do you know what his ERA was in September? Probably under one. What? What? That's, that's higher than that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ro- Roxy, take, yeah. a, take a guess what, what, what of all these ERA was in September. I want to say it was around seven. Still higher. Still, kill it. We're, you know, we're playing like what? What? What's the game? The the game show game. It's higher. Price it's higher. is right. Price. High, high, low. Higher, higher. Oh, card sharks. <laughs> card sharks. Remember that? Higher. Higher. Lower. Nine thirty. Yeah, I knew it was high. Nine thirty. Yeah. I was just saying, Roxy. I love the regular season. It's our sport. But there's such the routine, same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And we hear over and over. If you, if you watch as much MLB Network as I do, you hear it almost every day. I will go get them tomorrow. Ah, uh, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Routine, routine, routine. Three games here, three games there. Boom, get on the plane, go somewhere else. Three games, boom, get on the plane, go somewhere Come home for 10 days. Three games, three games, four games. I mean, it's such a routine-based game, right? Never, You never want to get too high, never want to get too low, blah, 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 blah. We hear all the cliches. Well, you know what? I love the fact we take that all away. Where every pitch, every play, every single game, you win and lose no matter where it is in the series, your percentages go like this. You win or you lose the percent. I, that's what I love about play. I know we have a lot of people. We're the only sport where we have a bunch of numbers people who hate our playoffs. All the other sports, they love their playoffs. But to me, I love it. I love the fact that these guys, you know what? This isn't July in Kansas City. This isn't August in Oakland. This is the playoffs. You get it done or you go home. What are you made of? Well, one of the teams that I have tonight, they win or they're done. Right? Yeah. Who would have thought the Dodgers would be in this position down 2-0 coming to Phoenix uh, against the Diamondbacks? And for a 100-win team that had a phenomenal regular season, um, that had one of the most prolific offenses in baseball, and here they are, Townie down 0-2 to the Arizona Diamondbacks, who they finished 16 games in front of in the regular season. 
You did some games down in Los Angeles earlier this year for ESPN Radio, correct? And TV, yeah. Okay. So tell me the difference from a broadcaster standpoint. What is the different feeling of regular season? Hey, we're going to go down and talk to Dave Roberts. We're going to talk to the other manager. You know, because you guys get exclusive stuff being ESPN when you're there doing games, so you get far more than the rest of the media. So take us through what that's like and take us through what playoffs are like as a broadcaster like your game tonight. Well, there's definitely a different electricity in the ballpark. Um, and it was interesting being in the Dodgers clubhouse pregame game one, as opposed to game two, I I thought game one that they were loose, um, that the Dodgers were focused and they're ready to play. I thought they got a little tight in game two pregame. I just, you get that sense when you're in a clubhouse, the feeling it, it was different. Now, Dave Roberts was his same jovial self in a good mood, um, optimistic, but I did get a sense that there was some tightness with the Dodgers. And I think, unfortunately, their at-bats showed it in game two. Look, Zach Gallon is one of the best pitchers going in the game, right? And he had a yeah. phenomenal season, second most wins in the National League, uh, an accomplished pitcher. So I think that was part of the equation for the Dodgers. But there was some uneasiness, I thought. And I think the feeling I'm about to head to the ballpark as soon as I'm done talking to you, we're going to make, I'm staying three blocks away. We're going to walk over. Um, but my guess is the feeling might be the same and maybe even be a little bit more tight. You're hoping not because if a team is tight, and you know, this Chris in baseball, that's not a good sign, right? You're just not going to play well when you're tight. You need to have to be loose. And, but the Dodgers know that they're going to have to win three straight. Can they do it? They absolutely can't. And they did it many times this year. They won 100 games. Yeah. And this is a team they perform well against during the regular season. But the pressure's on the Dodgers. There's no pressure on the Diamondbacks. Nobody expected Arizona to be in this position. They've won four consecutive playoff games all at home. And they limped into the playoffs. Chris, they lost their last four games and scored a total of three runs. Yet they've erupted in these playoffs. And, you know, Brandon... Fox making the start tonight against Lance Lynn and Chase Field is going to be absolutely rocking tonight. The first home playoff game for the D-backs. You said tight. You said uneasy. And I just wonder when you're at Chavez Ravine, like in June, doing Sunday night baseball. And just to tell people the difference between the playoffs, we're really playing for something and the regular season for all the people who are like so into the regular season. Um, would the Dodgers ever be tight or uneasy against the Rockies on Sunday night baseball in June? Well, the Rockies in June would probably not be on Sunday night baseball. May? Although they were in September. So uh, let's let's call it May. We'll call it May 19th. Are the, Do- are the Dodgers going to be tight or uneasy May 19th no. against the Colorado Rockies? Absolutely not. And the Dodgers are the regular season. You know, they didn't get off to a great start. In the middle of June, Arizona was in first place in the division. But then the Dodgers ran away with the NL West. And Arizona then lost 25 of their next 32 games. Um, and, and L.A. took control of the division. The Padres never really hit their stride, unfortunately, until the final couple of weeks. The Giants faded again down the stretch. And it, the Dodgers just took off with the division the last two months of the year. Um, their bullpen was great. 
And their offense was so consistent all year. And the first couple of games, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman have been quiet. That can't happen tonight. You know, it's it's like we're reliving the Braves all over again. Like I have all these notes about the Dodgers and what they've been doing 11 straight years since 2013. No one has a better winning percentage than the Dodgers. Da, da, da. Then it's like, oh, my God, look at the free agents. Look at the guys they potentially could be losing. They have no pitching right now. Is this just like, Roxy, it's like you and I were in college and then we were starting our careers it's like we're going back to the 90s. Like, this is like the Atlanta Braves all over again. Oh, they only won one title. You know, is, is, does this just remind you so much of that? It's it's very similar. Yeah. Because, what, they've won the division 10 of the last 11 years. Um, in the last four complete 162-game seasons, they've won 100 games. And But this this Dodger team was different, Chris, because this wasn't about the pitching. They had the issues with their starting pitching. Tony Gonsolin with the injury. Uh, Walker Bueller, they're aiming for September, never came back from the Tommy John. The Julio Urias situation off the field, which is a disaster. Um, so they're starting pitching. They're relying on Clayton Kershaw, who spent time on the injured list this year, had a great season, but he couldn't get out of the first inning in game one. So after that, you're relying on Bobby Miller, who is a rookie, and he's got great stuff, but he got hit around in the first inning in game two. So now your season comes down to Lance Lynn, a guy you picked up at the deadline who is a veteran pitcher. The one thing that causes me concern for the Dodgers tonight in this game is Lance Lynn has been relying on the fastball, even more so since he's gotten to the Dodgers. They've all they've changed the grip. They've asked him to rear back and let it go. This is how we want you to throw. And he's done and he's had success with it. The problem is the Diamondbacks have been a good fastball hitting team. With this young group, Corbin Carroll, um, Alec Thomas has hit a couple of home runs. The emerging star catcher, Gabriel Moreno. This team hits the fastball. I think that's a concern for the Dodgers coming into tonight. But their bullpen has been lights out in the second half. And you would think at some point they're going to hit. And Brandon Fott, who was knocked out in the third inning in game one of the wild card, that's who the Diamondbacks are leaning on tonight. Then should we get to a game tomorrow night, which should give the Dodgers some optimism, is Merrill Kelly pitched great against them in game one. Going into game one, Merrill Kelly in 16 career starts against the Dodgers prior to game one was 0-11. Can he do it again? I think that should give some some optimism for the Dodgers to get it back to L.A. for a game five. Corbin Carroll's hitting 500 with a 1,000 OPS so far in October this year. This guy's like this tall. He's like he could he could probably dunk on Altuve, but not by much. Um, I just think about what what the D-backs have done this year. Their bullpen's been fantastic in the playoffs. We love Tori Lovello. It, it, it's so far, it's the best story of the postseason. Cody, what are they built on? And it's tough for Cody to say this. What are they built on? Love, trust, commitment, and effort. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. There's no analytic for that, Roxy Bernstein. Well, what did Tori Lovello's speech after they beat the Brewers in the wild card? We're a dangerous team because we're a connected team. Yeah. And a connected team is a dangerous team. And that's what they are. They're they're confident. They're going to go in there tonight feeling good about themselves. And they're just – remember, Josh Beckett had the line 20 years ago and he was pitching for the Marlins. 
right, when they were taking on the Yankees in the World Series. We're just young and dumb enough to win this thing. Well, in a lot of ways, that's the Diamondbacks because you look around, all these guys are young. Thomas, Carroll, Moreno. Um, this team has gotten it done this year because they catch the ball. They committed the fewest errors in baseball. They steal bases. Athletic, yeah. The second most stolen bases in the National League. They have terrific frontline starting pitching, and they got a good bullpen. And that's a good combination for them to have. Yeah, their pin so far in the postseason has a 1.15 ERA. See, that's the thing. It's like that's what's great about the postseason. We don't know. You can do every prediction show. You can have all the notes like I have in front of you. You you don't know who's going to be the guy. Who's going to be that guy that steps up? Who are going to be the certain players that are going to step up? It's like the Texas Rangers. Their bullpen was the worst. What was it, 33 blown say? I mean, we were awful. And all of a sudden, LeClerc's getting everybody out. Even Chapman's, well, Chapman's still a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're piecing it together, getting it to yeah. LeClerc, and here they are. They look unbeatable. And they have that great offense that's delivered. And there's just, when you look at the Rangers' offense, Chris, there is nowhere in that lineup that a pitcher can take a breath. Right? When they're batting, what, Josh Young hit eighth last night? Yeah. And... And that's the thing. Even the Dodgers have some weak spots at the end of the lineup, right? For as good as Rojas is defensively and short, how much do you fear him offensively? And But they're top of the lineup. The Dodgers have four different players with 100 or more RBIs. But then once you get to the bottom, there's a, there's a couple spots where you might be able to catch your breath as a pitcher. When you're going against the Rangers, there's no spot to take that breath because of how deep that lineup is. There's going to be paranoia because Atlanta, I I said that I I called already before the postseason that they were cursed. It's the curse of the MLB network notes. Whenever the MLB network notes go all in on you, like they did the Yankees a couple of years ago, like they did the Dodgers last year, you're cursed. Like when the, when, when MLB network basically says you've won the world series and it's September, you're done. And that was, that's the Atlanta Braves this year. I'm just wondering, I know what the percentages are, but I'm just thinking mentality-wise because the Phillies are just, Phillies are just the, I said last year the Phillies were like that travel ball team, like a bunch of guys that come together, drink beers, they're in high school, they bond, love each other, and they're unbeatable. They're now just like the coolest guy in the world. Uh how big is this game for the psyche of the Atlanta Braves? The Atlanta Braves, because they, oh, my God, we, we whew, won that one. My God, we had a lot of stuff happen in the last three innings for us to win that one. They're gripping it. If, if Atlanta loses tonight, how big is that on their psyche? And Philly did the same thing last year, right? They got hot at the right time. They came back and had that rally in the ninth inning in game one against the Cardinals, and they rode that all the way to the World Series. And I still, I don't think the Cardinals ever recovered from that, to be honest with you. But the Phillies then got hot. And the Padres did the same thing in the postseason last year. And that's why they met in the NLCS. And look, I don't know what can be done, but look at the the regular season. And the teams that got buys, they've struggled to get their timing back. And they can try to play all the inter-squad games and whatever they can do to try to get their rhythm going. It's hard to restart it. And a lot of these teams, for example, like the Diamondbacks, 
like the Rangers, had to play all out just to make sure they were getting in. And it carried up until the final day of the regular season, where the Dodgers knew for a while they were getting a bye, they'd won the division, and they were just kind of coasting into the playoffs. And that's why I think some of the other teams are dangerous, because they've been playing playoff baseball for a while now. You know the only people who complain about format is? The teams that lose? Teams that lose. Those are the only teams that complain about. I mean, I remember the one year the Colts of Peyton Manning got bounced after they had the bye, whatever. And it, what should you have done the last game of the season? The only people that complain about format are the people that lose. Have you ever heard a team win uh, a World Series, a Super Bowl, an NBA final, uh, finals, uh, Stanley Cup final? Have you ever heard any of them complain about the format after they've won? Nope. Has, nope. Any, has any team who's ever won – You've covered college basketball since I've known you. Uh, you've been calling college basketball for ESPN. Has anyone at the Final Four ever complained about format? Nope. 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 Only losers complain when it's all said and done. Right? It's a very good point. Has any, has, has any winners complain about officiating, do you? Has anybody ever won the Rose Bowl and went, man, we had a month off, man. We had too much time off. But you we still made won. us go to Disneyland. You made us do all this stuff. You ever heard a Rose Bowl champion complain about winning the Rose Bowl? Nope. Nope. I love it, Roxy. This is awesome stuff, by the way. Uh, Minnesota's done. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I, I mean, mean, how how great is that Houston, Texas, ALCS going to be? Uh, well, everybody and, was telling me how great the AL East is, and the AL East can't win yeah. a game. I was never – I think I told – we talked about this last time, Chris. I was never a big believer in Baltimore. I think they're really good. Don't get me wrong. But the metrics told you they were outperforming what their win total should have been, right? Because they were just okay pitching. They were just okay hitting. They were just okay defensively. They have some good young stars, and they're going to be set for a while. But the metrics were telling me that they were outperforming what they should have been doing. Well, to me, the Astros, it's like when you used to watch the early Star Wars movies, and you're like, there's no way Darth Vader in real life would lose, right? Well, it's a movie, so he's going to lose. Well, in real life, the Astros are Darth Vader, and Darth Vader doesn't lose. There's just something about them. They know that they're one win away from seven straight trips to the ALCS. That's crazy. That's crazy. 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 I didn't realize baseball, we're sitting here now uh, with the longest stretch, longest gap between back-to-back chat. You know when, when people talk about, it's about winning championships. I got to hear callers talk about that. It drives me nuts. People don't realize how hard it is to win. They just don't. They, yeah. think, they, they think they know, but they don't. It is really Hard to win. Repeat titles in the four major North American pro sports leagues. And this is since the merger of the NBA-ABA in 1976. Twelve times you've had the NBA go back-to-back. Eleven times you've had the NHL go back-to-back. You've had the NFL five. Baseball, just four. Yeah, that's hard. It's been since the Yankees. Before we were married, Roxy. Is the last time we saw a team go back to back? It's a long time ago. Long time. <laughs> She's been here every day since. Yeah, but half the time I'm on the road, so that's why I'm still married. 
Oh, I'm in a hotel room. Yeah, she's not here. Great. I can sleep in. No, uh, it, it's hard to repeat, Roxy. It really – in baseball, it is hard. So the fact that – the fact that the Astros have been to – they're going to win this, and they go to seven straight ALCSs is just – even the year they sucked – in our quick 2020 season, and they got in and ended up beating the A's at Dodger Stadium and then went down and beat uh, Tampa in San Diego at Petco Park. There's, oh, no, they lost to, to Tampa at Petco Park. The fact that different manager, different players, they still have some of the core guys, but it's just it's incredible. It, it, where we are in our sports timeline for them to do this seven straight years, I'm not saying it's completely over. I just think there's a game. If they do it, it's a it's a it's a hell of a feat. Well, how many times did they get written off that they weren't going to win the AOS this year? Right when Texas got off to that big lead. Oh, here comes Seattle. Here come the Mariners. Well, guess who's left standing at the end of the day? Yeah, un- un- unreal. Uh, Bregman was great when he said, hey, "Everybody wondered what it was like if the Astros didn't win the the AOS." I guess we'll never know. Boom, nope. up in the champagne. Uh, yeah. Quickly, college football season so far. A lot of great games, a lot of drama. What has stood out the most for you? How great the Pac-12 has been, which unfortunately is in the last season of the Pac-12, right? With all these great quarterbacks, you look at Caleb Williams at SC, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, uh, DJ Uy Ungalale coming off a five-touchdown performance. Oregon State's good, Washington State. Uh, that the Pac-12, how good it has been. And is this the year they get through to the playoff in what is the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it? We'll see. That's what stood out to me. That's Granted, that is the conference I'm invested in and I am in tune with. But nobody can argue with the statement the Pac-12 has been the best conference in college football this year. Why can't SC play defense? That's a problem for Lincoln Riley to try to figure out. Um and I do believe their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, is really good. But last year, their ability to get turnovers was masked a lot of the issues they had on defense. This year, it has not been the same. Um, they were lucky to squeak by Arizona State, I thought. They were lucky to come out with a win last week. But they're still unbeaten. And they have the best player in the country in Caleb Williams. But... There is some big concerns about USC defensively, and that's why I think the best two teams in the Pac-12, at least what I've seen so far, are playing up in Seattle on Saturday. You know, for a a good part of our life, the early season game that was always a big game, Texas State Fair's going on, Cotton Bowl historic, it's the Red River Shootout. I they call it something different now, but I don't care. I'm calling it the Red, Red River Rivalry. Red River Shootout was always a big deal. I do remember when, you know, it was Daryl Royal against Barry Switzer. I remember that for way back when we were kids, right? They were huge. They've been huge games for a long time. I didn't realize when I started watching it, like, oh, yeah, once they go in the SEC together and the way the scheduling works, you can't always guarantee that that game's played during the Texas State Fair. We don't even know what the divisions are going to look like in the SEC yet, I don't think. like That was the last one of one of the greatest rivalries in college sports. But that's what really sucks about – all this conference, as I get, again, I've called the conference consolidation. It's not realignment. That a lot of these rivalries, we're not going to see Cal, UCLA, Stanford, USC. We're not going to see Washington and Cal. And 
We're not guaranteed to have these rivalries going forward. Missouri and Kansas stopped playing one another. We're going to probably get A&M and Texas again, but that stopped for a while. Yeah. And the way the schedules work, and that's what sucks. That's what college sports is about, these great rivalries and traditions. And because of money, it's all going away. And I think some ill-timed decisions by people at the Pac-12, not necessarily at the conference level, but I think all across the board, that's why we're headed and what we're headed to and why schools are going to the Big 12, the Big 10, and Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC, which makes no sense. All right, I I, I know you got to go. One last one. Um, I'm not fully up on this, but I would agree that if I'm Washington State, I'm Oregon State, that I legally should be making all the decisions for this conference going forward as your asses are all leaving. I think it was Washington or somebody who's now suing them back or whatever. So it's like, this is really ugly. Like you're leaving and you still want decisions about what's going on, but you're leaving. I, you know, I I've joked with friends that I want to see Washington state, Oregon state merge with the mountain West, keep the Rose bowl. And maybe my Spartans could be in the Rose bowl. How about that? How about the Spartans against Wisconsin or Michigan in the Rose Bowl? Harbaugh, San Jose State, Rose Bowl. But um, I, I agree with Washington. I don't know all the particulars, but if I'm Washington State, Oregon State, I'm on board with them. You guys are leaving. Get the hell out. I agree. I agree with you. that. And the reason – there's a number of reasons why this lawsuit's taking place. They got a restraining order against the rest of the conference. Washington is challenging that. And they're claiming the the court that ruled restraining order, granting it to Oregon State, Washington State, doesn't have jurisdiction over the University of Washington. So that's what's the most recent legal maneuvers. But I'm with you. And the reason they want to keep this thing together, look, they're still standing. They're saying, look, we're still in this conference. There is so much money that is due from NCAA tournament units, whether it's men's basketball, women's hoops, bowl games. That's why... They are trying to keep this name moving forward. And those two teams would get all the money. All of it? that's why this is taking place. All of it? All of it. Because the other 10 schools are are vacating. They're leaving this league. So so technically, when do they technically leave? Like, when is it that USC, UCLA just take them for a – when are they technically a Big Ten school? I, I mean, after this academic year, I think they've become officially part of the Big Ten July 1st. So we're talking about money that would be paid out next year. There's money that's due over the course of like five years. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yes. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, if you're Oregon State, Washington State, you might be, all right, you guys leave because we're going to be fat yeah. and happy. <laughs> yeah. We'll create our own league. Is there is there any way that you could see certain Mountain West, certain – I mean, you could cherry pick from smaller conferences. Is there any way you could see a Pac-12 still alive? Oh, yeah. I could see there – there is a scenario where they operate as a two-team league next year. I, I see it. Believe it or not, that can happen. There is a, a grace period the NCAA could give them to operate as a two-team league. Now, they wouldn't necessarily be given the automatic bird to the playoff that the Pac-12 would be granted because they're a Power 5 conference. But, yeah, there's a scenario where that could happen. 
All right, so do you get a uh, do you get a police escort on your walk over to Dodger Stadium tonight? I, I, I don't have to worry about that. Jessica Mendoza, maybe. Okay, all right. Well, you have a wonderful call, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, Tony. The great Roxy Bernstein. You can hear him on ESPN Radio tonight. Game three, Arizona. So, you know, I've been snakes the whole time. Correct, yes. I've been snakes. And I'm, leave, I'm leaving it on you because David Force will be here momentarily. I don't know if I would have picked snakes going in to the I, – I, I would have picked them over the Dodgers. I don't know if I would pick them in the next round. But I picked them in the first round. I would have picked them in this round. Um, I'm just – I'm happy for Tori. It is a great um, – it's a great story. It really is a great story in baseball. And I believe uh, their GM, their – uh, President of Baseball was Mike Hazen. His yeah. sons are throwing out the first pitch today, which is awesome. Yeah, his um, wife died of cancer. Yeah. And his kids are they're teenagers. They're throwing – one's like 17. I mean, it's a it, – what he has had to do um, playing GM and going through this and playing father at the same time, uh, it is really – it's hard to believe. It's, it shows a tremendous amount of strength. And in, then you think about um, – I got it written here how the ages of his kids. Where is that? Well, we can find it, but our general manager is here. Yeah, no, I mean – and, of course, David wanted to understand how – oh, his kids are 17, 16, 15, and 13. I mean, just so tough. David Force, the general manager – of your Oakland Athletics is here. We're just talking about Mike Hazen and his kids are going to be throwing out the first pitch tonight down in Los Angeles. Uh, I, you know, it was such a sad story when Mike's wife passed away from brain cancer, and he has had to do that double duty of, you know, being a general manager of a team and at the same time being so strong with his family at home and playing father and not only grieving his own wife but taking care of his kids. Uh, so I, it's, it's going to be very touching tonight, David, to watch his kids throw out the first pitch uh, down yeah. in Arizona. It's going to be special. I didn't realize that was happening. Uh, that's great. I've, uh, I've known Mike for almost 30 years. Uh, we played against each other in college, uh, kept in touch when he started working with the Indians and, and as he moved on up. And I uh, actually had dinner with him and his wife and his four boys in Hawaii a few years back. Um, so Mike's one of the guys who I'm closest to in the game and obviously went through something incredibly difficult and has come out on the other side, both personally and professionally. I have the utmost respect for what he's done. Yeah, good story in the Valley of the Sun. Well, you know what I like that we've had a little time. We've taken some time here with Ace Cast. Uh, we've had yeah. basically a week and a half off. You had your final deal. You've had some time off. Uh, what has it been like for you and your staff to now you kind of sit back, you're watching the playoffs, you're thinking about what happened, you know, during the year. What has this kind of week and a half, two weeks been like for you? It's been really busy, Chris. we got a lot to do. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we, you get a little distance from the season and certainly as you think about it with like a different, a different lens on not having to, to go through the three hours of the game every night. So that's a little different, but 
Uh, and the reality is like, we turn the page really quickly and, and, you know, the, the Monday morning after the season, we start looking at budgets and personnel and employee contracts and, and all those things that, um, you know, they, they get us focused on next year. And, and, and then also, you know, player conversations, there's, there, you know, minor league free agents, there's 20 D free agents, there's waivers that start. So it, you know, you do step back from the sort of day to day, really uh, having to put, put together a lineup and those things. And, and, you know, and Cots isn't wearing me out six, seven hours a day, but, um, but no, I mean, the, the reality is that we've, we've been incredibly busy and October is always a month that, that requires a lot of work to prepare for 2024. I mean, seriously, when we do the Mark Kotze show, it'll be like, I'll be texting him like, hey, what time you want to go tomorrow? Well, I'm getting there at 9 a.m. like, 9 a.m.? The first pitch is 640. What are you doing all day long? Like, I don't want to come out here and put makeup on and do my hair at 9 a.m. for a 640 game. I mean, seriously, he's he's intense. He's intense. Yeah, and you talk about just sort of the the sheer hours that go – into the season. I mean, the one thing we, we always say, like the, the difference, you know, people ask, well, now it's the off season. You have some downtime or whatever. Like the difference is the hours are better in the off season, but there's actually more work to do. Yeah. Like there are more things to get done. So yeah, this is more of a, a nine to five gig in the off season. Um, if such a thing exists, but, um, but there's still a lot of conversations. There's still a lot of things to do. And, um, and yeah, we're, you know, we're on it. You've always said with everything we have ever asked, you've always said, tell me what I got and I'll work with it. We know what you had. You didn't have a lot. You basically had to put some stuff together. It didn't work. Then you started making the changes by the end of the year. We were all feeling a lot better. How different this off season and what you'll have to work with is different than what you had at the start and what you had last off season. I don't think there's any doubt we're in a much better place than we were 12 months ago. I mean, I think we have, we have a a much better idea of what our foundation is of what, you know, things we've learned about our own players over the last 12 months, what, what we need to do to sort of fill in around them. So I I think we're in a, in a much better place. Um, My conversations with Mark have been really, positive about where he think he thinks we're headed what he has to work with so um i mean you put look obviously you put some names to that and and geloff and langoliers and noda and rooker and the position player group that you feel really good about and i don't want to like leave anybody out because because obviously you, you've seen things from Allen and Butler and, and Soderstrom that you really like. Ruiz but, and there's guys. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I'll leave somebody out. Um, and, and I, and I said this a few times over the course of the year, but the progress that was made on the pitching side is also really encouraging. And the way the starting pitching got better and the way we were able to make adjustments in the bullpen um, to make that unit better. And guys got, you know, guys found roles and, and hopefully, you know, obviously we always talk about this, hopefully getting healthier over the course of the off season and, and guys, you know, Mason missed so much time and we didn't really get to see Freddie Tarnock and Jimenez and Jackson both missed as much time as they did. So I, I think, you know, that the off season is about taking that step back, looking at the positives and, and, 
feeling hopeful and encouraged about what's to come, and we definitely do. Yeah, because all of a sudden here comes Boyle, right? And here comes Estes, and here comes some guys. You're like, whoa, okay, yeah. Now we're talking, you know, you start thinking about, you know, Blackburn's going to be here, and then uh, we've talked about J.P. Sears making the 32 starts. That was huge. Waldachuk in the second half. Like, all of a sudden you start saying, how many pitchers, though, do you think you really need to have in your stable? Like, say, starting pitchers, you're going to start the season, you'll have five, but you got what you'll have with Fran Reardon down at AAA. Like, how many guys do you think you need to really have to say, okay, I got 10, 13, whatever, I feel good going into the season? I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking in my head, how – how high a number can I give you that you won't think is obscene? I, I don't I don't think any number is, David. It's could I, crazy. Could I say 50? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a college football roster, David. <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what everybody in this game is trying to do is, like, get enough depth, get enough pitching to weather the storm of injuries that just continues to, to plague us as, a, as an industry. So – um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Boyle and Estes come up and uh, and show they've got it. I mean, obviously, the difference between those guys and and like established big leaguers, consistency and doing it sort of over and over again. But man, they showed glimpses and of really small time that they can pitch up at, at this level. So when you yeah, you add those guys and you you continue to sort of go down and look at you know, what a, a Cusick is doing or what a Salinas or a Perkins is doing or all these guys. And you feel like, okay, we're, we're starting to fill in. We're starting to get that depth. And, and, and then you do have, you know, you do have the ability to go out and hopefully make some trades or, or sign some free agents um, that, that can fill those roles too. Yeah. I, we talked a lot about, and I know we were joking with you before the end of the season that we're, Hey, we're going to have our spring training roster. And I've got man, Okay, what about Brett Harris? What about Hernandez? Like all of a sudden with Nick Allen, I Geloff's playing second. My guy Noda's got to be at first, but Soderstrom, uh, JJ Blade. We start looking at the outfield. We start looking at all these guys, Butler and Ruiz and all these guys. With all those names that we could be throwing out there, I see competition at spring training. Knock on wood, everybody's healthy, right? Throw Max Muncy 2.0 in here and throw all these guys. Is there going to be is there going to be the same need as there's been in the past to bring in veteran guys? Because Letmus Diaz, as of now, is still here. Or are you going to say, you know what? I like all the competition we got with these young guys, and it's going to be fierce. Yeah, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I, I think you need to have some some experience and some veterans uh, here, some guys who are you know a little more established, and you you can count on their track record. Um, I, I, I'm not looking to block anyone's development or playing time, um, but I, I do believe that there is a need here for, you know, for some consistent major league performance. So I think all of that is going to breed competition. I think that's healthy. And I, and I think we know that the exception to the rule is the guy who comes up and stays. It, it's more common that these guys go up and down and that some of the guys who finished the year in the big leagues this year may have to go back to AAA for a little while. And they, you know, no one up here is a finished product right now. So I think that's healthy. And I think, uh, again, I'm not talking about blocking playing time for guys who are absolutely ready to be here. Um, but, but it never hurts to have guys, you know, get a little more time. 
Is there something you've thought about now that you've stepped away a little bit from the season that you look back on last season and you just go, man, I can't watch that again for 162 games? Is there like one thing that you can hone in where you just go, that's got to be different? I don't know that there's one thing. I mean, look, if, if, if there's anything we've reflected on the most over the course of the year, and I guess in the last couple of weeks, it really is having started the year with five rookies in the rotation. And again, that wasn't by design. Uh, you know, Blackburn got hurt. Uh, I didn't really consider Rusinski a rookie because he had pitched in the big leagues and he, you know, four years in Korea as a starter, like there's some experience there. Um, I didn't want to think about Fuji that way, but in reality, he never pitched in the big leagues and never yeah. pitched over here at all. So going into the season with those guys, it just, we just couldn't dig our way out early in the year when, when the starters got down a few runs early and then the bullpen got taxed and we were playing catch up. I mean, there were just, there were so many nights when Cots and, and Emo couldn't they couldn't manage the bullpen they they just had to manage to find nine innings of pitching and that was that was just disappointing it felt like we were pushing that rock uphill every night and and that's that's something we don't want to go through again how about this only four teams since the nba aba merger in 1976 have repeated in the four in baseball so it's happened a lot in the NBA. It's happened a lot in the NHL. It's happened in the NFL. In Major League Baseball, it just doesn't happen. And I got all these notes of why teams win, why teams don't. When you watch it, you've been through it. Is it just? It's just what's great about baseball is like you play. You got to go out and play. You got to yeah. man up, and you got to be better than the guys you're playing. Doesn't matter. Did you have a buy? You didn't have a buy. Am I on the road? Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it that man? You got to win. It's competition. It's baseball. Because some teams out homer teams, some teams out pitch teams, some teams steal, some teams play good defense. You can win a lot of different ways. But how much is it? You just got to go out and be. You got to be a badass to win in the postseason. Yeah, you got to have the horses to do it. And yeah, there's all these, you know, all this like hand wringing right now about yeah the the buys or the days off or you know, the best teams not getting to play the lowest seed, like whatever the case is, like at some point you're going to have to win the most games to get through the postseason. And we, you know, we know from experience how incredibly difficult it is, no matter how you get in there, win the division, be the wild card, whatever. It's all, it's all tough. You have to get hot at the right time. I mean, look, the Rangers, Rangers played pretty poorly for a stretch in September. I mean, yeah. there's no other, no way around it. Uh, and they've looked unbeatable for five games in a row right now. Like there's no, there's no narrative. There's no numbers that are going to make sense of that. That's just the game. And, and yeah, if you don't appreciate sort of the beauty of that unpredictability, then, then maybe the MLB postseason isn't for you. As a former infielder yourself, I wonder if you're appreciating without the shifting, it seems like the athleticism to the infield has really come back and we have seen some just really dynamic infield play so far in the postseason. Have you enjoyed that? The double play that Trey Turner and Stott turned yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, you yeah. think about, like, the situation, like, the the stakes. That ball was smoked. And that ball goes through who knows how far it rolls. Like, that play, to me, is like, hey, 
big leaguers make big plays. That was awesome. So yeah, that that's the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that. Yeah, I, I mean, and even like uh, Austin Riley coming in and getting that. The Harris makes the unbelievable catch, throws it through two guys. He's got the awareness to come get it, throw Harper out at first. It's just like it's those plays. It's the high IQ wins uh, in the postseason. Let's end on this. Give us something that we go into the postseason. We go into the offseason. You're the leader of the franchise. Fire us up. What's something that you're looking forward to for the A's in this offseason? I, I mean, what am I not looking forward to? I mean, we're, we're, we're putting 23 in the rearview mirror. We're, we're looking ahead to 24. You know, I'm going to play, you know, Geloff's homers on a loop for the next few months. I'm going to, I'm going to watch Noda take ball four as frequently as I possibly can. Like there's all these little things you're like, Oh wait, we're going to get a whole nother season of these guys of Rook hitting 30 homers. Um, You know, if Mason Miller can throw 102 for an entire season, how great would that be? Like, look, this is the time to be optimistic. This is the time to, to remember the good things and think about, yeah, what does it look like if all this comes together in 2024, how much better can we be? So um, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I have to create that narrative. Like, go look at some of the highlights. It's there. I got to stand on a stool just to be eye to eye with Joe Boyle for an interview. It's all, I mean, (laughs) and then he comes out, I can't throw strikes in the minor leagues. I don't know, man. He's throwing strikes for us. Uh, He had us us on no hitter watch. He was was, third third star in the big leagues. We were joking going, hey, game one of the postseason next year. I'm giving the ball to Boyle. (laughs) I mean, it was, hey, I got to say one of the funniest things this year for me was down at spring training. It was Fuji's first time he's going to pitch, and everybody was gathering around, right? And as we just mentioned, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. So all of a sudden, we're there uh, at, at Fitch Park, and yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't see anything, right? Even Grady Fuson was in my way. I was talking to him. So I moved around, and I got right behind home plate, and I went up into the stands, because I want to get a better look. And next thing you know, I realized I was standing next to like you, Hal, Haley Alvarez, and all the brass. And all you did, you didn't say anything. It wasn't anything weird. You just kind of looked over. And I looked at you and I went, yeah, I probably shouldn't be here. And I ducked down. <laughs> I went I'll never forget that this year because I was just I was just like trying to find a good spot. And that's when I realized right. I'm with the entire front office right behind a plate. And I realized – yeah, that probably isn't a good look. I better move. I will never no, forget that. No one can blame you for trying to find a spot to watch ball, Chris. That's if I was six four, I would have been in a different spot, but I'm not. But you know, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank you for everything because uh, you mean a lot to us. You you have you you your time that you've given us that most executives would not. And I say this all the time with our managers. Uh, we started this thing. We didn't know what it was going to be like. We didn't know how big it would get. We didn't realize that it would grow to what it has. But you have been a big part of this, and you giving us your time and your name, and uh, I, I guess I wouldn't say your brand, but uh, it, it, it really, really means a lot to us. I can't thank you enough. And, and you know, we're, we're all a part of this and looking forward to another big season, hopefully seeing in the winter meetings checking in with you but just i you know from cody and i thank you for everything you've done for us 
Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that, Chris. And thank you guys, both of you, for all the time you put in to, to promote the team and, and to interact with fans. I mean, we're, we're not doing this but for the fans and, and hopefully creating some some entertainment for them. So I know uh, I know they tune in. I know you and Cody do a lot of work to uh, to bring the A's to everybody every day. So I appreciate it. And when you think about executives, this I think about you all the time because I think about these executives that come out and say one thing, and then they've got to backtrack later on and come out and say something else. You've always said it. I don't lie. I tell the truth because if I tell the truth, I'm never going to get caught in anything. <laughs> You've never once in all your years, what was it, 26, 27? 24. 24, 24 seasons. I've never heard you have to come out and backtrack on anything. I try. I try. And and I was going to say this year felt like three seasons. So maybe I should get credit for 26. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I just, you know, I, people, people are nice enough to watch and to come out and, and pay money to see us play and, and deserve to know what's going on. So appreciate it. Enjoy the off season. We'll be in touch. And once again, thank you for everything. All right, Tony. I'll see you. David Forrest, the general manager of your Oakland athletics and break. We haven't we haven't had a break yet, have we? Uh, we have not. By the way, David Forrest during the uh, end of the season scrum he did with Mark Hotze last week, he mentioned me in the call. Did he really? What because did he say? John Shea asked a question and he goes, John, I don't know if I by exactly what I said, but maybe I'll, after this I'll go back and have Cody go through the transcript for me. What, what did he say? John and everyone's like David and and Mark Kotze started laughing. I don't I don't think John Shea remembered who I was. So, but it was a great moment oh, to hear. Wow, you got big league by John Shea. Well, he's he's an Aztec, so. But the, G, the GM acknowledged, acknowledged me. Mark Hudson acknowledged us at the end of the season for the work we do with AceCast. So uh, it was really great to hear all that towards the end of the year. And then throwing Roxy Bernstein to admit San Jose State could be in the Rose Bowl when we merge with the Pac-12. Uh, it's been a banner week for Who you. Who do we want to play in the Rose Bowl? You want Harbaugh? This is, a, this is the Big Ten, right? Well, that's – I mean, I'm thinking they'll still somehow keep I, it. Uh, Maybe I want San Jose State. Nothing screams Pat, screams uh, Rose Bowl like San Jose State and Indiana. San Jose State, Nebraska. <laughs> Matt Rule. <laughs> I want Wisconsin. Bring the Badgers back. Ron Dane came out and played with the Badgers against San Jose State. That didn't go so hot. Uh, he, he only went. I, I I I, I want to tell you guys, everybody, seriously, from the bottom of my heart. It means a lot what David has done for us. You know, Billy was always great for us at 95.7. But David for us in A's Cast and A's Cast Live has been, I mean, he has been huge for us. Because executives now, it's not like it's not like yesteryear, right? Remember Brian Sabian had the Brian Sabian show on KMBR? I did the Billy Bean show on 95.7. I always had Billy Bean on throughout the year. You know, we've been on a lot of radio stations. So I always had Billy Bean on. Executives are not talking these days. They do not want to take the nonstop questions of, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Because they don't want to have to. They have departments, research and data departments is what they like to call them, that make a lot of decisions Jose Barrios would be one of them. Yeah, but, that, that didn't work but, out but they don't want to they don't they don't want to answer the questions, right? So we don't see these weekly, bi weekly, 
front office shows with, with people like myself anymore. I don't even know who has one anymore. Well, I was going to say, if you look at managers, Bob Melvin told us numerous times he doesn't do a weekly Bob show. Melvin did, Bo- he doesn't Bob do Melvin, anything with <laughs> Bob Melvin talked to me every single week. Bob Melvin talked to Ken Korak before every game. Bob Melvin, they don't, they don't even do anything. They do nothing. He just does random every once in a while. David might be, I mean, I don't know if I, we'd have to research this for sure, but there's 30 guys that run um, baseball I, teams. I know one for sure. Uh, ben Charrington, the GM of the Pirates, does a weekly hit. Does he do? But he does it with, I think he does it on the pre uh, on their pregame show with Greg Brown, the voice of the team. And I think okay, he, so at least I, he does something. Yeah, I, he's but one I'm for sure. I'm talking about David Force comes on. We don't require him every week because that's just, you know. We switch it every two weeks, every other yeah, week. Yeah, we do it. And so Bi-weekly. We, yeah, we try to do it. You know, we won't want to do it too much. Um, but it's, he's doing it a couple times a month, right? Brian Sabian used to do it about every week on KMBR. Bean was every single week, if not every two weeks. I don't think Brian Cashman's doing that. Hein Bloom wasn't doing that. I think Farhan does something with KMBR. I don't know if it's every week. Every he... once in a while, because when he does it, it blows up. Yeah. By the way, Farhan was the first... I want you to think about this. Farhan is the first executive I have ever heard mention the word politics and getting players. I've never heard that. Politics. Of a city where players are going to sign. He mentioned all the kind of stuff and politics. and the, So things that are going on in San Francisco, the way I listen to it, and I think you've got to say that this isn't just sign contract, make money, come play for the team. That there are free agents who are looking at things that are going on inside the city that are helping shape whether they want to play in San Francisco or not. That's what it sounded like to me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. However you perceive his comments, we could read the quote, but the word politics was in his quote. Yeah, I think I think he said that before, too. So it wouldn't, this wouldn't be the first time that he <laughs> said it. Have you ever heard that? Like, no. I understand taxes. Taxes is part of the money part, right? State taxes, you know. Because you worry about the state taxes because of the city you play in and the state you play in is where you're going to get taxed the most. So if you play for a California team, you're going to pay some substantial taxes for all your home games plus the teams you play. Now we play everybody. So, I mean, like if you're in the NL West, you're going to play a lot in California. You're going to play in your home city. Like, let's say if you're the Giants, you're going to play a lot in San Francisco, you're going to play a lot in L.A., and you're going to play a lot in San Diego. Then you're going to play against Oakland, and you're going to play against Anaheim. So that's a lot of games in California. That's over 100 games in California you're getting taxed. It's big, big loot for guys making big money. So that's part of the compensation. I get that, but he brought up politics, and I was like, ooh, I've never heard that before. No, but real quick, speaking of politics, our friend the Garve, He's going to be running in the uh, – I saw that in the San Jose Mercury News. Yeah. The Garves running for Senate. Yeah, he's going to replace the late uh, Diane Feinstein or – Or no, uh, he's going to run for the seat. Yeah, he's giving – you know, he's the, – the exact quote I think I got from ESPN or in the article is, 
giving Republicans a splash of star quality on the on the ballot. He's running it, as a Republican. I, I guess, yeah. Good luck, Guard. Yeah. Uh, apparently, according to this, there hasn't been a uh, Grand Ole Party candidate that's won a Senate race in 35 years in California. So, Garve, good luck. Well, the last Republican Republican governor was Arnold, the Terminator. <laughs> Get down. Get to the chopper. By the way, his Netflix, the documentary they have on Netflix on him, it's actually pretty good. Three-part series. Oh, his life is fa- – if you don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger's life, he's an Austrian bodybuilder who became the biggest star on the planet. The first, first part, all about bodybuilding. Second part, all about acting. Third part, obviously, all about politics. He's the greatest bodybuilder of all time, even though I don't have a lot of bodybuilding knowledge, and well, I, do, I do not have the data on it. Oh, well, don't go Lou Ferrigno. I was going to say – you think he's a the big, Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. I mean, a guy that's from Venice Beach, built from Venice Beach, that built. You're telling me he's a better athlete than the great Hulk Hogan? I'm being facetious. I'm joking. So he's the greatest <laughs> bodybuilder of all time. He was the biggest superstar on the planet at one point, right? When you say, I mean, no one was a bigger yeah. box office hit. The whole thing around in- the world, because you got to remember. Okay, you may not be getting the Oscar for Predator. You may not be getting the Oscar for Terminator. Or Terminator 2. Or any of his blockbuster movies. Racer. What, twin? Recall. How about Twins with yeah. Danny DeVito? Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting the Oscar. But, by the way, everybody around the world watches Schwarzenegger movies. That's why he is so rich, because people watch his movies around the world. So you're the number one bodybuilder. You're, at one point, the biggest star on the planet. And you became governor of the biggest state in the United States of America. And you were from Austria. You don't think that's an incredible life? That's a, that's a, I can't even say it's a football life. That's just a. Not saying there's skeleton, there's not skeletons in the closet. Oh, no, they talk about all this stuff. And the documentary's good. They talk about all his biggest rival from in Hollywood in, in movies was Sly. Uh, Sly. Sly Sly's Sly incredible story. The, 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 the son with the maid. Uh, that wasn't mentioned, but they were talking about. Oh, that wasn't mentioned. No, in the they were talking about the, how they were battling back and forth in the '80s for best. He's, I mean, that's son, that son's an acting now. Yeah, he's like a, a he's a dark. He looks like Arnold. Well, he's oh, his oh, son. that son. Other, yeah, they do mention that in there. Yeah. Yes, that gets mentioned in there too. Yeah, he's like a good-looking kid. He's a little darker skin than Arnold. I think he's a was he a bodybuilder? They, oh, but he does get mentioned it's in the last part. He's in act. He, he's in the. So obviously, he's not. You, you have some time to watch it. <laughs> This is not the off-season. I don't have an off-season. This is the time for us to grow, get bigger, prepare for next year. Growth, growth, growth. You guys all want to go to Cal Poly and hang out with all the Red Sox people. (laughs) I'm sitting here growing the show. Am I going to be there on Friday? No, I'm here doing the show. You'll be there Saturday. Here down there with Eckersley and Ted (laughs) Williams and everybody. Go ahead, Mr. Red Sox. You know who won't be there? Hi, Bloom. Hi, Bloom. Did 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 that invitation get rescinded once he got fired? Uh, what if he still What if he still showed up anyway? Hi, Bloom. Get whoop. See ya. I still get news report, not news reports. I still get reports out of Red Sox camp. Even with him gone, there's still a lot of. There's like you report to report to report. There's like so many levels on the in the Red Sox organization of. You report to you report to you report to you report. Like, it's like, how many, 
I mean, we, we, we've got to make a stake. How many guys is it going to take to make this stake? Do we really need 40 guys to make this stake? And then you think of the way their ownership is. And the Red Sox ownership is so worried about soccer team, hockey team, baseball team, growing and expanding their – like, it's like – I don't want to hear about that loser hockey team. I mean, it's like, what's going on? Have they replaced Time Bloom? Well, I don't – they already got eight other chefs in the kitchen. Do you need to re- you need another one? Well, they just fired their pitching coach and third base coach yesterday too. Did they really? Yeah. Who was their pitching coach? Dave Bush and third base coach Carlos Febles uh, was let go. Ooh, Alex Cora. Alex Cora, you know, that's one of those, were they Alex Cora guys or were they Heim Bloom guys? And is Alex Cora now reshaping his staff? Well, I, Alex Cora, remember they said a, it was Bruin. It was Bruin. Alex Cora won the war. Yeah, when he was gone. What year was he gone? Just 2020, right? And then he came up with – What year did they – so 17 – he wants, the investigation. Yeah, so he was. Were they gone? Was he gone in 19, 20, 20? Because his thing was just, wasn't his same as. Uh, or was it 21? How long has he been back? Well, that's what I was going to go look right now. Let's see, Alex Cora. Um, How about Carlos Beltran? Is he going to manage the Mets? I mean, they're looking. Uh, he was. Uh, where's the. He was rehired on November 6th, so he was gone for just the 2020 season. That's all he got. Well, same thing with A.J. Hinch. They got the 60 games, and that was it. That's all they got. Beltran's on that back. Oh, but I think Beltran doesn't. Beltran do, like, TV now for the – Oh, he's still inside the Mets. Are you kidding me? They love the Mets. It's amazing. Remember, remember when their owner took over the team, Steve Cohen? No one knew who the hell – we didn't know. I mean, you're a big hedge fund guy. But uh, $16 billion hedge fund guy who supposedly loved the Mets. We're finding out he was actually a Yankee fan as a kid. Um, but he's played this whole, I'm a Mets. It's like Jerry Seinfeld's going to own the team. It's a $16, $16 billion hedge fund guy. We're going to win everything, and we're going to spend money, and we're going to be great, and it doesn't matter how much money we spend, blah, 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 blah. You know that phrase, money doesn't buy happiness? That's not true. I'm just saying. <laughs> My guy just got a big win. Who did they just beat at home? Uh, Kansas State. Oklahoma State just beat Kansas State. That was a big win for Mike Gundy. He's getting back into. He's been to like 17 straight bowl games with the Cowboys. He's well. He's, How are your Dallas Cowboys doing, huh? That worked out great on Sunday night. No? How's your Cowboy? Hey, you said the Raiders were done. Raiders done. You said when the Steelers beat the Raiders, the Raiders were done. Are the Raiders done? Can you please can you apologize? That's the first place Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you. That game was awful. On I had to do stuff on Sunday morning. I kept coming back. Fourth quarter, it was ten three. Everybody in the NFL scoring forty points. It was ten three. That's how every Baltimore Pittsburgh game turns out. Ten three, and then it's seventeen ten. It's a terrible game. It was ten three, then ten five, and then ten eight. When your when's your guy Lamar Jackson gonna win something big? Uh, He's now been in the league a long time. What an MVP! Oh, that's an individual yeah. award. Playoff I, games? I don't think he's won one. Uh, yeah, when's he gonna? And how my how's my guy doing in Miami? I love the head coach. Oh, Mike McDaniel. He's oh, he's the best. He's the best. Their running backs hurt, but it's okay. They'll, they'll, bring he Jeff, didn't. they'll bring Jeff Wilson back. They got a whole story about him. Growing, he played receiver at Yale. Uh, started out 
the Shanahan tree, working for the Shanahans. Ball boy. Well, I'm talking about when he got a job. But yeah. Working his way. He was out here in San Francisco. Um, got sober. Changed his life. Had to get sober, changed his life. And ever since then, he's never looked back. It's a great story. And he's a funny dude. In a business where everybody doesn't take – takes themselves so seriously, he's a funny guy. What was the thing he said after the game on Sunday? They were, they had told him, about, hey, your team has the most yards, whatever, through the first five games. He goes, well, there it is. Mission accomplished. We got our we got the most yards through the first five games in the history of the NFL. And he's like – then he started laughing about it after. He's funny. Yeah, I don't think I could find that quick enough. But yeah, All righty. Coming up next – the trend that's been so alarming, I didn't want to do it. It's it's a trend that you better have the dumpster fire panic button ready. It is a trend that we have been on top of. You got it? Yeah, hold on real quick. You guys have now gained more yards through five games than any team in NFL history, and you hear something like that. What is your reaction? Um, mission accomplished. We had the whole time. The whole off season, all we f- that was our goal was um, output after five games. Um, you guys have now gained more yards through five games than any team. He's uh, a funny guy. Yeah, he's he's good. He's good for the NFL. You know, he'd be good in Super Bowl week. Oh, for media day. Oh, oh. my God! Just because you know you just don't talk at media day. You're the head coach. You're constantly talking. Personality. Bring a little personality. Obviously, he's a really smart offensive guy. But he's uh, – and you know what? I'll give it to you. I'm going to give it to you, Niner fans. That was one of the most impressive early season, early season victories we've seen in a while where you've got a team in the Dallas Cowboys where people have talked about how talented they are. Coming in, it's Sunday night football. The one thing I can't get out of my head is because I watch so much of it, college football, the big-time Saturday night. We hear that so much, but it's Sunday night football. Carrie Underwood. Everybody's watching, according to them. Rating show, everybody was watching. And you just kicked the living you-know-what out of the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers. You're the 49ers. You're the Eagles, a real city in, in Pennsylvania a real big-time city in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. City of losers. <clears throat> uh, I, you know, but once again, September, it's great. Enjoy it, but it's September. A lot of things happen, right? Brock Purdy did what in the NFC title game? Got hurt. Changes everything. So a lot, lot, lot's going to happen here through October, November, December. We are so far away from the playoffs, but they play they play December 3rd, I believe, Eagles Niners. I got to tell you, 49er fans a as a full roster given John Lynch and Mike Shanahan a lot of credit. That is a complete roster. That's what wins football games. Complete roster. I mean, I'll tell you all the time. You want you want to throw all this garbage at me? You want to throw all this, all these data points, whatever. Sports is real simple, right? You want to talk about Shanahan's edge? Are the Niners great at blocking and tackling? Yeah. No matter how you draw it up, football is a block. I've had this explained to me by great football minds when I was working in the NFL. No matter how smart your play calls are, 
It's blocking and tackling. You've got to block up front so that your game plan will work. And then on defense, you've got to tackle, you've got to fly to the football, and you've got to hit the quarterback. You've got to do it. It's a rush and cover league. You've got to be able to tackle in space. I mean, uh, Fred Warner is a tackling machine. I mean, you've got to be able to block and tackle. That's what the best teams do. What do the best teams do in baseball? Well, you, you don't have a bunch of airs. Pitching and defense. I mean, you don't have a bunch of airs. You don't give out a ton of outs. Is it great to hit home runs? Yes. But you got to play defense. Your guys can't give up the house on the mound. There's certain things that you got to do to win. What is Arizona doing right now? Is Arizona kicking the ball around the yard? They're stealing 90 feet at will. They're hitting home runs, too. They're also very good at taking the extra base, too. That's one of the best things about them. They do all the small things. They're they're not a home and run. they're hitting home runs. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens? What happens when the Braves don't hit home runs? Do they look that tough? Um, no, I don't think there's. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not trying to jinx the Braves, but uh, right now, Ronald Acuna Jr. has zero average. Ozuna had a good year. Zero average. Matt Olson has a hit. He's got like two hits or three hits, but he's no home run. None of these guys have hit home runs. Austin Riley's the only guy. Yeah. I mean, here's a team with greatest lineup of all time. Well, so far they haven't hit. Well, you know what their Achilles heel is, right? The only pitching. The Braves? Yeah. I mean, their guys, I mean, Freed didn't go. Deep. I was told there's one of the best teams. We got, okay, two things we got to get back to. I have two things that I think is incredible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Got to give you a fun, some fun facts of where we're at. Did you know that we could see, well, we've already seen it. The Rangers are in the LCS, the American League LCS. Correct, yeah. Could have been division champions. Right? They were not. The Astros were. Do, 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 do. So, going into this to tell you about what it means just to get in the playoffs. Just get in the playoffs. So, for A's fans, going forward, I don't know what year it's going to be. Just get in the postseason. 
At least one wildcard team has advanced to the league championship series in nine of the last postseasons since the league expanded to multiple wildcards back in 2012. You just said the Rangers have moved on. So that is 10 out of the last 12 years a wildcard team has gotten to the league championship series. How about that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And what, the last team to reach the World Series as a wildcard team was what, the Phillies last year, right? Did they, mm-hmm. Yeah. They barely got in. Last wild card was uh, the Nash, the Nationals. Well, I'll say the Natty. That's Cincinnati. The Nationals won as a wild card team. Braves had won the AL East that year. Yeah, because we're, we're thinking about what teams have won the World Series recently as wild cards. What you said it was them, the Cardinals, and the Braves, or the, or the, the Giants were the last three to do it. Makes sense. Um, cause yeah, the Bra- it feels like the Braves won their division every year, just like they did from 19-whatever-it-was to 2006. Well, yeah, I mean, if the Braves get bounced, they're now going to start being the, well, you won one, but you've been to a lot. Like, you know, they'll start getting, you know, as the Dodgers are getting hit by it big time, the Braves will start getting hit by it. All right, so I just wanted to throw that out there. So I want people to understand, though, the repeat, and the only way you're going to see a repeat is Houston. It Just how hard is it? to repeat as World Series champions compared to winning consecutive titles in other leagues. Only four teams have done so since the NBA-ABA merger in 1976, the fewest in any of the major North American pro sports leagues. So you had Yankees, you had Blue Jays, 76, I guess they count the Reds of 75-76, who, who's the other team to repeat? So there was a repeat in the eighties, was it? I don't think. Did so. the Yankees repeat in the late seventies? I, I think I was thinking maybe the, uh, it was the Yankees. Um, let's see, I can pull it up real quick. You said from nineteen seventy six, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Yankees won it seventy seven, seventy eight. So, so that, so, so, the A's obviously. There wasn't the NBA merger yet with the ABA, so the Yankee, so the Athletics winning three straight don't get to be a part of that. So you have, so I guess they would say the NBA ABA merger technically was seventy five seventy six, yeah. right? So that 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 puts the Reds in there, mm-hmm. then the Yankees, then the Blue. Only four times, you weren't even alive. I was just a little. I was. I just. I'm an infant in nineteen seventy six. So to repeat, since 1976, 12 NBA teams have done it. 11, it's, ha- it's happened 12 times in the NBA, 11 times in the NHL, 5 in the NFL, Cowboys. Patriots. Patriots. Steelers? I don't think they've repeated. Go look, 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 look on the, since 1970, oh, Steelers would have done it. Yeah, Steelers would have done it in the 70s. Yep, Steelers did it. What year? Um, Remember, it's got to be 75, 70, 76. They do it 75, 76? Yeah, they did it 75. The Dolphins did it back-to-back years? Yeah, yeah but this, that, it's got to be, oh, in, the yeah, so, be in the time frame. Yeah, so so was the Steelers. Steelers? Then the Steelers again. They did it when? Uh uh, 7980 because remember their cats got's gonna count um 49ers 
Cowboys. Cowboys. And then Patriots. Broncos. Patriots never did it? Uh, yeah, Patriots did too. But I don't think I don't think anyone other than that has. So that would be six. Maybe they're throwing the uh, Steelers in. I think they're probably counting the multiple. Yeah. Franchise. All right. So this, so five. We've only had four times. That's just that's that that is incredible. How hard it is to win back to back World Series. And hockey, the last few were the uh, Lightning did it recently, and then the Penguins did it a couple of years before them. But it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen a lot in hockey either. I mean, it's brutal. It's really hard. I mean, it just goes to show it's really really hard to win. But this was the one that I read. This came out that this this was tough. So they did basically the notes came out and it was the preview notes, and we were off the very next day, and it had had so like like some unbelievable why you know what to look at. So like for the Texas Rangers, if we would have done a preview show for the playoffs, we did we did the final day. Reviewed a lot of A's, then moved on. But I would add nuggets like this for you. I wouldn't count on the Rangers to do anything in the postseason. You want to know why? Rangers are the first team in MLB history to make the postseason with more blown saves than saves. What was it, 33-30, to I think is what it was. Think about that. That's what we would have been talking about had we been not had that time off. Rangers blew more saves than saves, and they're the only team right now in the league championship series. Just goes to show. Let's see. What are some other good ones that were? uh... Yeah. Aaron Nola with a 5.47 ERA in September. 0-2 with a 6.75 ERA and three starts against the Marlins. Uh Uh-oh. How'd that work out? Uh, They're in the uh, divisional series playing. Oh, man, Zach Allen, 4.42 ERA, and uh, Merrill Kelly, 4.07 ERA, struggling outside of Chase Field because they had to open up in Milwaukee. How'd that work out? Uh, That worked out pretty well. What did they say with the Twins in there? There was a lot of great stuff that we didn't get to go over. A strong rotation led by Sonny Gray, blah, blah, blah. Dislike. I question whether their lineup is healthy and deep enough to get past the blitz. How about this? I, I question whether the lineup is healthy and deep enough to get to, to deep enough against a good Blue Jays pitching staff. How'd that work out? Uh, Gossman went four and Barrios went three. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's not very good. It's it, it's it's why I love the postseason. You never know. I did this, this whole preseason thing had so many notes in it that it was incredible um, to run down some of the stuff. I, before I get to the one thing that is shocking and scary, give you a couple quick ones. Before 2023, only two players in Major League history had driven in 100 runs from the leadoff spot. We got it this year from Betts, Acuna, and Simeon. And then um, Schwarber. Braves tied the single season record 307 in home runs. Uh, They became the second National League team in history to have seven players with 20 home runs since joining the 2018 Dodgers. Our man Brandon Hyde, who will be the American League Manager of the Year, became the first manager since Connie Mack to manage a team to 100 losses before managing the same team to 100 wins. 
That's great. I mean, the Orioles, they represented. They got there. They had a great season. Roxy Bernstein talked about it earlier that the metrics didn't line up really for them, but you know what? They got there. They proved. And, by the way, the Orioles, how many players or how much money do they have guaranteed in next year's roster? Not entirely sure. I remember seeing a note that they had one guy on their team that made over $10 million or something this I mean, year. You're way off on the Ranger on uh, Avaldi's ERA in September, which was 9.30. Can you come close here? Guys committed? No. M- money. How much money? If you're close, I'll give it to you. How much money do the Orioles have committed right now to 2024? Under $30 million. Got to be a little more specific. $24.7 million. $7.2 million. Well, their highest paid guy was Kyle Gibson this year. Think about that. The Orioles just had the year that they had. Mike Elias, no relation. No. Talked about, yeah, we're going to go out and spend some money. They have only seven point with all these young players that they have. They're going to be good again next year. They have only, right now, only have $7.2 million in the next season. How much do they have in 2025 committed right now? Probably less. $4.3 million. $1 million. <laughs> For $1 million. 2026, they have zero on the books. Well, because all their players are still under. That's the whole point. Flexibility. Payroll flexibility. Do you want to be the Orioles, young, athletic, and coming up, and cheap, and flexible? Or do you want to be old and expensive with a bunch of guys you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with John Carlos Stanton? I was going to say the Mets. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's what the whole thing, When pe- whenever I hear people bitching and complaining, and of course, yeah, we hear it a lot, about money, and you're like, do you really want to be bogged down by a bunch of expensive old guys? Even when the, I don't know what year it is, I don't know what happens. I'll be saying the same thing when the A's get a new ballpark, and the A's were packing the ballpark, and we got, I'm, I'm not going to be, go spend a bunch of money on old guys. It's not smart. It's not. You know who showed us that probably as good as anybody was the uh, 08 Phillies. The 08 Phillies won the World Series. The next year they lost to the Yankees in the World Series, and they kept spending money trying to save that team, and it was a disaster. Finally worked their way out of it years later, but it was a disaster. Didn't work out well for the Giants either. They They started giving a lot of their guys, you know, the thank you contracts and all that. But, yeah, the Phillies are the best example of that. Trying to get up Howard and Utley and um, Jimmy Rollins. By the way, Terry Francona leaving the Guardians. Kevin Cash is now the longest tenured manager in the major leagues. His former bench coach. So you have to be like, obviously, Bob's been a manager. Melvin has been a manager longer. But you got to be with the same team. It's him in the American League and it's Council in the National League. Right? How do you feel about your Rays? It's okay. They'll bounce back next year. Oh, wow. That's it? That's your professional not, opinion? Not low, but Lau will be back next year. He's well, Nathaniel hurt. Lowe went deep yesterday. Yeah, his brother plays for the race, Josh. Um, How do you feel about it? It's hard to have thoughts about them because you think, no, they're going to take a step back next year and they're going to win They could, They're going to win 90 games again. 
I didn't ask about them as a team. I said Kevin Cash. The defining moment right now of his career, whether you like it or not, was taking Blake Snell out. He took the best player, his best player on the field, he took him out. Oh, in the World Series, yeah. That's right now what he's defined. And the last two years, his team has not scored a run for 30. It was – it could be 30, 33 inside. It was 33. I know for sure they went 33 at one point. Dating back to last year to this year, the Rays have gone 33 straight innings without scoring a run in the postseason. It's not good. No. I don't I don't think that's a small sample size. No, it's been it's been pretty pretty uh bleak for them in the postseason recently. And they're big guys like a Rosarena and those guys weren't doing anything for them offensively. I, I don't think I think Cash is gonna get another year at least. I'm not saying he's losing his job. Oh, no, I know what you're saying. I just – everything that I know, having been to Tampa and investigated, I did a lot of – when I was in Tampa the last time, I investigated. I wanted to kind of – how's this thing really going, right? And what I found out is that he manages by a script, that the Rays for years – As hard as they work, I always give them their due. I give them their props on how hard they work. But the Rays are a very scripted organization. Bill Walsh script the first 20 plays. Well, that was brilliant because now he threw a bunch of different formations and ran a bunch of different plays. So he knew how you were going to try and defend it. So then after those 20 plays, he now knew how to attack you. Right? Well, Kevin Cash is scripting the whole thing. Well, the front office is. Remember, they had an analytics guy in the bench in uniform. On, in uniform. Jay Money is he still? Is he still there? Jonathan Ehrlichman, uh, I think he. I think he is. So right now, Kevin Cash, longest tenured manager. I, I people will give you credit in the industry, no doubt, because of the success. Process and analytics coach. But also, the one thing everybody thinks about you is the Blake Snell move, and now it's two straight years. You've gone out basically without a fight in the postseason. Now, that series against Cleveland was a lot of scoreless, right? Because they went deep yeah. into extra innings. But it is what it is. It's two straight years. I mean, this was the year they hit all the home runs and they did all that and they got in the postseason and they did the same thing. Yeah, they won 99 games and they couldn't even win in the postseason. What does that say about your. What would that say about uh, what it say about your their process? Maybe they change some things up a little bit. I think. Like, if you're not going to win, you can't score runs. You got to change something. Okay. I just want to throw some of those. Notes. There's a lot of stuff we could get into, but this was the thing that I was so upset that we didn't do a show because I got I got the. This is basically the 30-something pages of preview of the year slash getting you ready for the postseason, and we're off. And I, 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 it's like I wanted just to tape a show because there were so many nuggets about the season, postseason, that were so great. But this is the one that scares the hell out of me. You've heard the GM of the A's say, I don't know the number that you need to feel safe for a season. Starting pitchers. 
Says he doesn't know. Perry Manassian, a couple years ago on Sirius XM, the MLB channel, he said the average team, this is a couple years ago, uses 13 pitchers, starting pitchers in a year. And we're not counting openers. But openers can balloon that number. We have stayed fast and true to this. How you get me 27 outs? That is our number one question. 4,374 outs in a baseball season, not counting extra innings. How are you getting me? How? Who's throwing this thing and getting me the outs? During the season, During the 2010 regular season, relievers made up of 32.9% total innings. 2010. And that seems like a long time ago, but in the timeline of life, in the timeline of baseball, that's really not that long ago. So 2010, relievers started pitching more, 32.9%. Fast forward to 2023. Relievers pitch 42% of all innings this year. Record number. 42%. If I could show you the pie graph, show you the graph. I don't know. they going to be able to see this. It's, there you go. Can you see it? Look how much. Down here, down here is 2010. Look how much relievers have jumped over the years. Look at that. That's baseball. Both those graphs you're seeing are relievers' work. Not their efficiency. Not, not that they've gotten better. That's how much work. It's skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Look at the postseason rates. In 2010, 32.3% of the postseason was pitched by relievers. 2022 was 45.2. I mean, that graph goes like this. 2010's here. That's 2022. Half, the, Almost half. And where are we now? I mean, you got starting pitchers leaving in the first inning. You're going to have – we're, we're on pace. We'll see, but I bet we're on pace. It's over 50%. Yeah, I'm gonna, I am gonna. would have, need some time to look it up. Well, you have till Friday. Doesn't matter you're not here. You still got to prepare. <laughs> no one wants to hear that you're in, you're in Cal Poly. We're in slow, right? Is this where this wedding slow, is? Slow, yeah. Slow. Um. Yeah, I'll look it up. I, I could find that probably because it, it just goes by. Um, oh, we just have to search the box scores. So it's alarming. It really is. And I don't I don't want to end this show on being alarmed, but this is alarming. That 42% of all innings pitched this year were from flawed pitchers. I mean, that's the way to look at it. Relievers are guys. I mean, do you want to be a reliever? No. Ideally, you want to be a starter. You make more money as a starter. But the way that we've changed our game, 
and everybody's like huffing and puffing and trying striking everybody out. We have record amounts of Tommy John. We have record amounts of bullpens pitching. I mean, where does this thing end up? And then now you're telling me that 42.2% of all the postseason last year was by the bullpens. And the way this is going, it might even be high, it might be 50%. And you wonder why the wind doesn't matter for pitchers anymore? I mean, there you go. You can't get innings. It's scary. There's not enough qualified human beings on the planet to be Major League Baseball starters. The postseason started at what, what day? It was the fourth, right? October 4th. No, started on the 3rd, sorry. It was a Tuesday. I'm just trying to see if I can bring up the quick number of – it looks like so far entering today, there's uh, relievers have thrown 150 and two-thirds innings so far. Do you think that is good for the game? Going to go with No. I mean, I told you. I mean, forget, forget, for, forget us as fans, because I mean, for us as fans, we're we're getting a lot of stuff that's not good for fans. And I'll give you one: Fox. Fox was awful. Fox, literally, I cannot take how bad Big Poppy, A Rod, and Jeter are. It's bad. It's it's so bad. The Fox coverage, literally. None of them say anything. They have nothing to offer. Big Poppy, I, I can't remember the last time Big Poppy actually made a point that matters. He's just there to be the character. Absolutely, yes. A-Rod just speaks in cliches. <laughs> Jeter's boring. I mean, Jeter is probably the only one that actually gives a little bit of opinion. And how many times do I have to hear about them? They haven't played in years. And we always have to hear about when we played. Mr. Tory, you know, in Boston. I mean, it's like, we really can't find three better guys. I mean, clearly, we always keep talking about how the ratings are not great. Can, can, can we just go fine? Like, when TBS does it and Pedro Martinez talks, Pedro's fabulous. Pedro's fabulous. He is good. Jimmy Rollins, like, TBS's guys are way better than Curtis, Fox's Curtis, guys. Curtis Granderson. The Grandy Man, J-Roll, and God. I mean, when Pedro Martinez talked, Pedro's greatness. Not saying that Jeter's not greatness. Not saying A-Rod should be a Hall of Famer and Big Poppy's a Hall of Famer. But they're, they suck. They're just there because it's Red Sox-Yankees guys. They literally have nothing to say. They have nothing to say. Their breakdowns, their points, they're bad. Am I wrong? No, because uh, I've really watched a lot of the post-game stuff. Is Big Hurt still doing it, too? No. So he's not on there anymore. And he was terrible, too. He never said anything. I mean, find us some guys that can actually entertain, talk baseball, and being. I mean, you got A-Rod last night going, I was in a slump, and Joe Torre called me. And you're like, how many people go, oh, my God, we're still talking about you playing, and you're a Yankee. To where on TBS – it's Who's Your Daddy with Pedro Martinez. It's funny. It's entertaining. You know who would be good? Because he's doing games right now, but they should put him in the studio. I think they should put Wainwright in the studio. I think he does yeah, a good job calling the games. He's calling the, what, the twin, He's on the Twins 
Astros call it. Your name Krasinski recognition and- is doing nothing for you. Just because these guys were great players, you're doing your net. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't work. Uh, if I do my math correctly, <clears throat> it looks like we're around forty eight percent of the innings are pitched by relievers. of the biggest innings of the year being pitched by relievers, and not all well. We only had a couple guys, and they're all Rangers guys, go seven innings. Wow. Oh, Philly. Six and two-thirds. Yeah. Ah, wow. That's alarming to me. Like, where's this going? This is a trend that's not stopping. It's not stopping. Like what are we gonna? Are we gonna do this every year that we go through? What do we go through? Twenty four starters this year for the A's. But you yeah. think, well, the A's suck. Well, no, this is everybody did that. This isn't Detroit where they used five starters ten years ago. Seven. Uh, it was like two thousand fourteen yeah. or thirteen. Detroit used seven. That was it. Like, are we really gonna? Do, I mean, is this gonna be like every night we're going? We're going to you know your iPad and you're going, who's throwing? Hell, I don't know. There is a reliever in the game. We, I mean, you look at the notes now. We use so many different pitchers that you don't even know. Is this guy an opener or not? I have no idea. How do you know if they – I mean, this guy's a star. You literally have to investigate. This is not good for the game, right? When I have to investigate, is this guy a real, real starter or not? We could have a game show next year on A's Cast Live. Let's play real starter or not. It's fair. When we got to do that with almost every single team, real starter or not, that's not good for our game. And I was just looking to see <clears throat> um, if the starter's still in for the for the Braves. Luckily, he is. Well, I don't think he's been there much longer. Just saying. Oh, you got me. I'm on October 3rd looking for the first game. What's this, the date today? Today is the uh, 10th, 11th. Just saying. Oh, my God. Philly's up 4-1? Bryce Elder's probably not going to make it through the third. He might, he might, but he's probably done after that. Three innings, three innings from the from the Braves starter there. Max Fried didn't pitch deep because he has a blister and he hasn't thrown in 18 days. And then uh, who was the other? Who was that the was other? another one of my fantasy guys that let me down. I had guys, I had guys, I had guys let me down this year. Who's the other guy to pitch for them? Uh, Freed, Elder today, and then who's? Why am I drawing a blank on who the other? Strider. Strider. How many, I don't even remember how many innings he went. Philly, Philly, you know what? And I know you hate Philly, and that's your Pennsylvania hate. You can't tell me the. I Philly, love Bryce Harper, though. You can't tell me that the vibe in Philly right now. I mean, you're all into Creed. <laughs> well, that's the Rangers, but. Was oh, it the Rangers? Rangers, yeah. Who are they? Had their song last. Philly had a song last year. Oh God, let's see. Because uh, a couple years ago, I remember what is the, the Creed song that the Rangers are listening to? I don't know. I think they're just listening to Creed overall. Um, oh, my God. Creed, really? Well, arms wide open. Dancing on my own. What's the song the Phillies do? Oh, my God. Uh, but it, but you know what? As lame as it is, it brings the whole city together, right? TV stations are playing it. Radio stations. Winning is the greatest deodorant of all time. Philly, Philly right now is a dumpster fire of a city. Okay. Philly is like up 130 percent in carjackings, homicides. Philly is a really tough spot right now. Like it's like so weird when you like see what's happening in their city, and then you like watch like Eagle games or Philly game. The community's all together and everything's great. I just is everybody coming from the suburbs? Jersey. 
Oh, it was Bryce Harper at a three-run shot. See any good? Nice little player. I mean, not, my, not a good, very good base runner, but. But you see what it's like inside their ballpark. F- Philly fans are are having a are having a blast. The one I, the one the one I think of when you think of team songs, it was uh, a couple years ago when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Theirs was Gloria. Yes. Yeah. Gloria. <laughs> yeah, that was I their song. I think you got your number. That's like a '70s song. Yeah, they, they. I think you got your alias. Or you can go to the worst song of all time that has been the curse of the San Diego Padres. You still have that song? Uh, I don't have the Padres song. I, I do have one other song. No, dude, get that Padres. So, Manny's on the loose. Let's, Let's go, go goose. goose. Oh, yeah, hold on. Oh, my God, this is the worst. And I send it to all my buddies back home to make fun of them. You got to play this. Billy going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go, Goose. That's what's in. Some goose was on the field or something. Bryce gonna lose, and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in. That played all over San Diego. And San Diego is the worst sports town. I grew up there. Trust. It's the worst sports town. And all the local news people, that isn't this funny. Let's watch a bunch of middle-aged. I mean, these guys are like, what, late 50s, maybe some even in their 60s, singing this song. It, 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 it's been a downward spiral since. This is the one that makes me think of a team. Oh, yeah. Harada Para. 2019 Nats. And unless you have little kids, you had no idea what the hell this is. So, yeah, there's... Because actually my kids are grown, so I was not in the Baby Shark era. They were teenagers by 2019. Uh, the whole stadium rocked to that. And remember Clay... Uh, not Clay Wood. Um, Chip Hale? Chip Hale. Uh, our, our, our buddy Chip, now head coach... University of Arizona, uh, former bench coach for Bob Melvin, was on that staff and said, man, they played that and the place went off. Like, there was a – they, like, waited for that song. Like, literally in the dugout, they were all, like, hyped up and everything, but they knew once that song went, the Nationals would just get lit. The ballpark would be unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't know what – because I've only been to a few NFL games as a fan, but when the Steelers play Renegade in the fourth quarter, like, they played it early – this week when they were losing to Baltimore, like the places goes nuts for some reason. They've been playing Renegade for so many years and people there just, I mean, it's, it becomes like a mosh pit at Heinz Field. Or sorry, whatever they call it now. It's not Heinz Field anymore? No, it's some insurance firm from Michigan that took over. The ketchup bottle's gone in Pittsburgh? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I forgot what the name of it is. A, a, a Celsius or something like that. Is that just this year? Or yeah, this is the first year they did it. Very bizarre. All right. So we're back Friday. Same time, 1 o'clock. And you won't be here. I will not. Ray Jensen. And we're gonna see, the great see. Ray Jensen will be. Who are we going to have on? We'll have Eno. And then I'm waiting to see how we got to get Emo. Emo says he's in. Let's go. We got three shows next week. We no, he wants to do. We're going to do one each week. Oh, all right. Well, I'll text him then. Yeah, he texted me yesterday. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, texted me yesterday. I forgot to respond to him. He texted me yesterday, picture, he's golfing. Oh. Look at this. 
This is what Scott Emerson's doing. He's golfing. Living the life in North Carolina. Yeah, I'll text him. Yeah, so you'll have emo and eno. Then. All right. Cannot no. wait. Then hopefully if the Astros clinch, we'll have our good friend and cow bear great Blummer on. I can't. I can't. Like emo. Eno is going to be, you know, look at all these teams. They won in the regular season. They can't win. It just shows you. It's randomness. I, you know, you know what? Let me end the show with this. My favorite play so far, and it's probably going to be my favorite play. Bring up Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s numbers in the postseason. My favorite, that, that play in Minnesota, our old buddy Sonny Gray. I'll always like Sonny Gray. Stop tweeting out former A's in the postseason. Have you seen how many A's have already knocked out of the postseason? Now no one's bringing that up. You know Matt Chapman's never won a wild card round. Yes. Not Chris Bassett's fault. Chris Bassett's never won a wild card round. Well, uh, 2020. That was a wild card round. That was. The first round was the wild card round. Was it? Yeah, because that's when I switched to the three-game series. They didn't want a divisional round. Because they played AL, they played the wild card round against the White Sox, and they played the ALDS against the Astros in 2020. Hold on. <laughs> I know. They played white. Was that considered wild card? Yeah, because remember, it was a three-game series. Okay. Strike that. They won one. But look <laughs> at all these hit. Mark Hanna. Out. Did they even play in the game? Any of the games? Do you see how bad your guy Matt Chapman is? Uh, yes. I mean, he, they were even the national thing was, hey, he's been he was so great in April, then he hasn't done anything since. And they were talking about that during the postseason. Hey, has anybody did anybody see you know Sean Murphy? Remember when everybody was crying about Sean Murphy? Uh, he's been bad too since the Sean Murphy in the second half hit one fifty six. No, excuse me, one fifty nine. People in Atlanta are talking about how bad Sean Murphy is. I don't. You think he's in the lineup today because he's been so bad? Well, he caught Strider. Nope. But, but two up. straight days. So Sean Murphy, in the second half, All Star break on hit one fifty nine. He was horrible. Starts out game one zero for three. Last two games he hasn't played. People in Atlanta are already going. Oh my god. So all the people, could you see all the graphics our fan base is making of all the A's that are in the yeah. postseason? First of all, Sonny Gray was terrible at, at, at the end, but and then he was terrible at the Yankees. Stop. Now Sean Murphy. I I was never a huge Sean Murphy guy. Sean but, Murphy hit 159 in the second half, and now it's two straight games. He's on the bench in the postseason. Uh, Chapman, real quick. May 202, June 200. July 247, August 197, September slash October 160. Tell me what Matt Chapman hits in the postseason, Mr. Oh, my God, we don't have these guys. Uh, hold on. Let me get to it. Hold on. Those are his stats this, just this year, month by month. In the postseason, Matt Chapman is a career 273 hitter. No home runs. What do you hit in this postseason? 143. 143. How many home runs does Matt Chapman have in his postseason career? Uh, that'd be none. None? He has one RBI, and it was last year with the Blue Jays. No home runs, one RBI. For Yeah, because he had one game, he had three hits. In one of the games they lost last year, he had, or he had two hits. 
technically, he didn't win a wild card round because that was the year he had the hip injury. He didn't play in that series. In 2020? Yeah. So he wasn't on the field. Oh, so he are. is 0 for his wild card. <laughs> Matt Chapman's never won a wild card round. On a technicality, but <laughs> I don't want to. But I'm just saying, you know, what everybody at some point you got if you're going to put it out on X and you're going to put your name on it, you know, sometimes people are going to look back and go, "Well, you know, it's interesting that you put that out there." But let's go over the facts. Is are any of these people going to bring up Sean Murphy at a buck fifty nine in the second half? And people in Atlanta are starting to question Sean Murphy. This is Sean Murphy's prime. This is his prime. Two straight games, he's on the bench in the postseason. And they're about to go down. They're down 6-1 in the fourth. Did, did Elder make it through the third, their pitcher? No. no. <laughs> I knew two, it. Two and two-thirds. Starting pitching. So the bullpens, by the way, are going to – you know what? Unless something dramatically changes, bullpens are going to pitch way more than starters in this postseason. I was making a point before I got sidetracked on that. On uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the play. Oh, Vlad. I got his postseason stats. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This was the greatest example of, of why numbers people don't get it and why they don't like the postseason. Because in a game like this, where Toronto has the tying run on second base, they got a lead runners on third. If this is July in Oakland or July in Kansas City, this never happens. But in the playoffs, you had one of the most brilliant plays where they utilized pitch comp. The dugout, the catcher, the pitcher, Carlos Correa at short were all on the same page. They did a spin move pickoff with a 3-2 count in a postseason play with the tying run on second base, the guy at the plate led the American League in hits. That was one of the most ballsy plays you will ever see. Baseball IQ. On the flip side of that, you had out of shape, terrible base runner, clueless Vladimir Guerrero. He's not even the lead runner. What are you doing getting off second base that that big? You're not even the lead runner. It just goes to show. I just watched that, and I just went, that's not a high baseball IQ guy. Who gets picked off as the tying run on a 3-2 count? You're not going anywhere unless the guy in front of you goes somewhere. Correct. You're not going anywhere. And by the way, go back and look at that at bat. Yes, Bobachet led the league in hits. Did you see him swinging out of his ass in that at-bat against Sonny Gray? Did he look like a guy who was trying to put a good swing and try and hit the ball and put it in play? He was swinging out of his shoes. You wonder why the Blue Jays' three straight years are out of the postseason? Because they all play this way. Bobachet walking around when he was in Oakland this year, the way he walks around. He's got the headband on in his hair, and he's walking around. I mean, you just watch the way they are. You wonder why they don't win. You wonder why. But Vladimir Guerrero is one of the greatest examples, and Carlos Correa and Sonny Gray are the absolute obvious. You want to talk about being a savage? Carlos Correa in the postseason is a savage. Say what you want about his injuries. 
Say what you want about his career, but in the postseason, I'm telling you right now, that man is a savage. He is a gamer. He is one of the best postseason players because of his, not just his ability, but his IQ. How much do we celebrate Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Put him in the home run derby at the All-Star game. Da, 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 da. You know what the postseason does? Postseason exposes. It exposes he sucks at base running. It exposes he sucks on defense. Exposes he can't he can't throw. And exposes that he's flat out out of shape. I'll say it. He's been out of shape for years. Is that a winning ball player? Is that what winning in the postseason is? You're not good on defense. You're not good at running. You're not good at throwing. And you're out of shape. And you get picked off in the most crucial moment when your team needs you to score. You're not even the lead runner, and you're so careless off the bases that you're fumbling back and getting thrown out. That tells you everything you need to know about Vladimir Guerrero J. Does he have the great hit tool? Yes. Does he have the ability to be unbelievable as a hitter? Yes. But you know what? He's so unbelievable during the regular season. Tell me his career numbers in the postseason. He's a 136 hitter in the postseason. A what? He doesn't even come. You think he weighs 136 pounds? No, he has three career hits in the postseason. Three. He he hits 100. So we'll celebrate him. And and he seems like a nice kid. I I. I'm being a little dramatic here. He seems like a nice kid. Family seems great. Remember his taking his sister to the basketball game? I don't think he's a bad person whatsoever. But you know what? He doesn't weigh 136 pounds. His career average in the postseason is 136, and everybody wants to celebrate. Oh, Vlad, Vlad he can rake. Oh, yeah, he rakes in April, in May, in June. But that play is so why stop telling me baseball playoff games are random. Baseball playoff games are won by savages, quoting Aaron Boone, and they're won by high IQ players. Houston has high IQ players. Toronto doesn't. And you're getting picked off when you're not even the lead runner? Just shows you every bad thing you need to know about Vladimir Guerrero. Once again, out of shape, can't play D, where do you put him? And he's getting picked off. And that was brilliant by Sonny Gray. The stones of Sonny Gray, the great call by Correa, the dugout, how they use pitch gum. You can go hear them talk about it on YouTube. It was brilliant. That's high IQ. So when these guys go on Twitter and tell you that the postseason sucks because it's just randomness, it's not like the regular. Well, guess what? They like the regular season because it's the mundane regular season where that play doesn't happen in Kansas City in July. Well, we're not in Kansas City in July or Oakland in August. We're in the playoffs where everything matters. And that's where the research and data departments have the problem because you can't predict this. You can't predict how smart Correa and how smart Sonny Gray are. Baseball IQ wins. Where is that for the research and data department? They don't got that. But they can tell you how great and where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits it and he's this. You know, two years ago, you know, he's an MVP candidate. And, oh, we're going to when it, when, when it comes crunch time, Blue Jays have won nothing. And now you have to ask yourself, what are you going to do with them? Who are you going to extend? Who are the players you're going to extend? We celebrate so many Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. That's the problem. 
Because when it comes crunch time, guys like him don't win. Uh, real quick, they they signed Barrios to that big deal, and they wouldn't even let him go more than three innings. Mm-hmm. Think about Jeter. Jeter was a winning player. He high IQ. Altuve is a high IQ. Right? I mean, Jordan Alvarez obviously is a beast. I mean, he's the top. Well, right there, Bryce Harper hitting a home run today. There's certain guy, but there's certain Austin Riley's play. Right? Michael Harris makes that unbelievable catch. He's a great athlete. He throws it in, gets past the two guys. Riley, though, comes in right behind second base, comes in from third, picks it up, and guns Harper. You could say Harper was a bonehead on that play. But it's the smart plays win games. Even David Force knew what I was talking about. That Trey Turner double play on Ozzie Albies, how hard is it to even double up Ozzie Albies? Baseball IQ, it wins. And that's what you should be watching and caring about, not saying that the postseason sucks because it's not like the regular season. Sorry. Sorry. We're not – name me bad team. Sorry we're not in Colorado in early September. This isn't a Colorado in early September. This isn't Oakland. This isn't Washington. This isn't Pittsburgh. This is the bright lights, baby. The best players, the smartest players and best players move on. And like we said earlier today, nobody's going to be saying, whoever wins is not going to be saying, well, that format wasn't fair. Have you ever heard a World Series champion say the format wasn't fair? No. No? I love it. I love the playoffs. Because this is where the primetime guys really come out to play. Well, we're seeing it right now in the uh, first game of the day. They already got a guy on second, fourth inning. What What do you call – It's a, a meme's not moving. What What is it when when you have a picture and you put – GIF. Put, GIF. Best GIF last year was like a street fight, and the GIF was two guys fighting, but they had the Mets and the Braves logos on the guys' faces as they were fighting. And then there was a guy off to the side smoking a cigarette just watching him with the Phillies – you remember that one? Yeah. It was the best. He's just smoking a cigarette watching these two idiots fight. That's what the Phillies were. It's like same thing again. Phillies are just, you know what? That mundane regular. Great. You're the king of the mundane everyday regular season. Congratulations. Most of these teams, you beat up on the bad guys and you play around 500 baseball against the good teams. Congratulations. But now it's the postseason and everybody's good. This isn't Kansas City in July anymore. How? What are you? Yeah, a little adversity. You call it unfair. Most people, champions call it adversity. Man, the Braves get bounced. Another, I, another pitching change. I, I, I cannot wait to, if the Braves get bounced to hear the, oh, my God, it's so unfair. What's unfair? Line up, play. What's unfair? First two games were at your yard. You're sleeping in your beds. It's the fourth inning, and they're already on their third pitcher. Is that a mark of a great championship team? No. Not good. You know the thing that ba- baseball playoffs expose stuff. It really exposed stuff big time. All right, we're going to be back on Friday. We want to thank David Force. He was fabulous. Roxy Bernstein, who's covering, who's uh, calling the game tonight for the Dodgers and the D-backs. Uh, for ESPN Radio, joined us uh, 
Actually, I said I said his walk to Chavez Ravine. He's in Arizona. He's a chase. He's a chase center. He's in chase Arizona. field. Chase centers. Oh, that's that's Warriors. That's what. That's my. I'm just a Warriors honk. Hey, you're so excited after that preseason game on Saturday. It's all you care about. Hey, Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer. Another future. Is 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 Chris Paul the new Kevin Durant? <laughs> Are they selling that? Who's going to start selling that? No, I don't think. I don't know how they're going to play together. I don't know. How do they play together? Well, we'll find out when the season. Sharks start tomorrow night. Sharky start tomorrow against who? Where? Here, the tank. Vegas. The Knights, the Stanley Cup champions. Who? Don't say Vegas on this show because we say Vegas on this show, we get in trouble. Kicked the crap out of the Kraken last night. Even though our. Triple-A team is in Vegas. We still have to cover them. I know we got to go. Fran Reardon. Congrats to Fran Reardon, Triple-A manager of the year again. Leader of men. And his Buffalo Bills went to London and tanked it. Yeah, well, London Bridge wasn't great for them. Did, did you know from a gambling standpoint, which I am not a gambling man, did you know, I did give this out to a couple of my gambling friends, did you know Jacksonville was the first team in the history of the NFL to play back-to-back international games. I saw that after they did it, yeah. So, a guy that I follow, gambling dude, handicapper on Instagram, put that out there going, bet the Jags. Bet the Jags, because they are staying in London. They've been there all week. You were getting points in that game. Think about that. Not only did they win, you were getting points in that game. Dead fish in a barrel. They, it was a good win for them. Really good win for a team that was in the playoffs who had a great playoff win last year. Jacksonville's a sneaky team in the uh, AFC South division. That division's not very good, but oh, the Colts are 3-2. and two. Keep getting all this stuff. We don't have a – it's Wednesday. We don't have a game. I'm like, we don't have an NFL game tonight. Tomorrow night, yeah. Tomorrow night's – uh, Chiefs, Broncos. All right, where are we right now? Philly up 6-1. In the at the end of three, it's not fair. Uh, then we got game four starting here in just a little bit between the Twins and the Astros, and then game three later tonight between the Dodgers and the Snakes. Will the Dodgers go home? Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We'll be back on Friday at one o'clock. We'll see everybody. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll see you on Friday. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.